Hey there, guten Morgen. How's your German coming along, America? Anyway, so we're going to uh, listen to a new Mary L. Trump show, Nerd Avengers to the Rescue. Mary Trump brings together Jim Todd, Clara Torres, Spellacy, Cliff Schechter, Brian Karam, and George Hahn to break down the effects of the raid on Mar-a-Lago. Great to me. Great news week. Yeah, Trump fucking raided according to his own language. Good afternoon. Shut it down. There are 84 days until the 2022 midterm elections. Oh my God. Welcome to today's episode of the Mary Trump Show Strategy Sessions with the Nerd Avengers and special guest, Charlie Torres Spellacy, who is a Brennan Center Fellow and Professor of Law at Stetson University College of Law. She's the author of the books Corporate Citizen and Political Brands. And today, I want to start here. We cannot move on from the fact that Donald Trump... Uh, allegedly stole documents not just top secret mm -hmm. but highly sensitive documents uh 27 boxes as for top secret uh, that one he had no right to uh two that at least his lawyers lied about his possessing and three that um he has used or at least the the fbi's search warrant and removal of those documents he has used once again to stoke division, to create chaos, <laughs> Caesar's assets. while being also one again aided and abetted and throw him in by jail. the Republican Party <laughs> um, and and the media, which quite, quite frankly has let me be clear the mainstream media, which has quite frankly uh, cast this in such political terms that it's kind of horrifying. You know, we've seen headline, headlines like a simmering feud in search of Donald Trump. There's not a feud here. Donald's been attacking the uh, Defense Department and the intelligence community since 2015, right? We've seen headlines like uh, an unprecedented FBI raid demands unprecedented transparency. No, it doesn't. The DOJ is obligated not to disclose information in part because it could potentially harm the investigation Donald's defense if he needs to put one on so we, we're going to talk about that uh we'll storm in fucking prison how about that, that? right the, viol the the violence the potential the potential for violence uh how this needs to be reframed how it needs to be understood what we know what we don't know what we can reasonably responsibly speculate but at the same time, you know, we're we're in this position once again. Woman fucking jail. One <clears throat> something. Anything. Don't get me wrong. It's an extraordinarily important thing, right? This is a very important event that is unfolding because, as we all know, we are living through history, and for the most part, it really sucks. However, that doesn't mean we lose sight of other bad things that are going on. Uh, like, for instance, uh, the fact that the fascist that asked for Rob sent us is um, putting all sorts of authoritarian things 
in Florida, the fact that Indiana passed a near-total abortion ban, the fact that her tech's still missing from the Secret Service, the Department of Homeland Security, and the Department of Defense. But we also don't want to lose sight of the good, the good stuff. Joe Biden just had arguably the best two weeks of any American president in modern history. Uh, 528,000 job, jobs were, were added. Um, Zawahiri, the number one al-Qaeda, was uh, killed. Chips Act passed. The PACT Act passed. The Inflation Reduction Act passed. Kansas, thank the Kansas voters, uh, passed uh, protections for abortion. He signed the gun sable and on and on. I mean, we that list is a very long one, and we're not even scratching the surface in terms of what he's done since he came into office. So, um, I job, want to start Joe. here with you, Jen. Um, Must be because uh, Trump is distracted. He's she's scrambling, so other stuff is able able to work. Front, it seems like seven thousand millennia ago. Um, what ha has happened since Friday to help clarify what actually is happening here? Oh, by the way, I forgot to mention what's going on in Georgia, but we'll get to that later. Oh, what is going on vis-a-vis uh, -vis the DOJ's... Um, what the DOJ has, what potentially they're looking at, and why or why not the fact that Donald did or did not declassify document matters. Well, hi, Mary. Um, <laughs> that's all. And hi, Achara. Glad you are with us. Just the glowing introduction. Um, <laughs> I mean, it's hard to um, reconstruct for certain what we did or did not know as of Friday when we met um, last. But what I, what I can say that I um, know is new, sort of in a reverse chronological order. One new thing we learned is that apparently, according to sources at the Department of Justice, Merrick Garland de deliberated for several weeks before he ultimately pulled the trigger and signed off on the search warrant that led to is it now one week ago or two weeks ago? It's hard for me to remember. We're in jail for practically anything. Ago, yeah. A week ago yesterday. <laughs> no, we can go Monday. Committed every fucking crime on the planet. Um, when he when he allowed for that, so he deliberated for several weeks. Um, I wonder whether the timing of actually. Um, signing off was because he was coming up against the so-called nine-day window. It's that loose uh, norm that where mean? the Department of Justice apparently decides not to take any new actions what? or any actions involving an investigation that might affect an election. Now, of course, um, Donald Trump is not running for any kind of office at this moment but to the extent that that could have been a concern i think it's really helpful that whoever would, had his ear got him to act on that so that's something we just learned another thing um check engineers yeah, is, please another thing that we just learned is that apparently two expired u.s passports as well as donald's um, I think his diplomatic, his special diplomatic passport that was still active were inadvertently um, swept up in the boxes or documents that were taken 
um, as part of a week ago Monday search, but they were never actually in the hands of um, the search the actual you know FBI team. They had been screened properly by that screening team that's supposed to take things out that don't belong, and they were offered back to him and instead of just quietly having his lawyer pick them up, Donald decided to rant on his um, his own, you know, quasi um, failed Twitter type social network called True Social. He decided, to rant. Yeah, he decided to rant about claiming that these had been stolen from him. Um, not exactly sure why. Um, and then I, I think the other thing that we have desperate. learned still kind of going back is that um, fucking uh, desperate, actually. Donald Trump's team He's is making a million dollars a, a day. Hold. Well, we know that the parts of the search warrant were made public off his um, because uh, Merrick Garland last week on Thursday called Donald's bluff because he was complaining that this was, you know, he was, he was talking about the search and he was complaining that they, you know, show us the warrant, even though he could have showed it to the public. So last pieces of the warrant have been made public, but not all of it. Um, what was included was this sort of cover, the sort of first page of the warrant talking about the statutes under which the search was conducted, which is really critical because alluding to what Mary said, none of the statutes for which there was probable cause that these crimes had been committed. None of those crimes involve confidential or top secret documents. All three of the crimes mentioned in the search warrant doesn't matter um, whether it was in particular the espionage statute uh, that he is, there's probable cause that uh, that it was violated and evidence was at Mar-a-Lago. Um, that espionage statute deals with sharing any information that could be damaging to the United States uh, with others or improperly storing it and so on, as were the other statutes. At any rate, the piece of it that we have not, that no one has seen, is the affidavits. And an affidavit is a sworn statement, a sworn and signed statement. And with a search warrant, the affidavit that accompanies the search warrant for a judge magistrate to look at, or magistrate judge to look at, is. Um, usually a statement by law enforcement. So there's at least probably one a fucking gag order on, on uh... sworn or more, but probably at least around two statements sworn and signed, signed statements Inciting any more violence. under penalty of perjury by uh, FBI uh, agents about what they knew or what they were told and the reasons that they did believe that these crimes had been committed. Donald wants those released. Uh, the judge, of course, the Department of Justice has filed saying they don't want those released. Wait, and do you really think he wants them released? <laughs> he wants the names of the agents who signed those affidavits to be made public so that their lives can be threatened, um, if not ended, similar to the Mike Pence situation, and maybe they will back down. And it's also a way, if you make someone's life a living hell, anyone else who might be supporting this life will be made a living hell. Um, so that's kind of what's going on. So of course the hearing will be on Thursday, and this app, and, and even even the un even the next step. He wants it unredacted and released, but even a redacted version where you just got rid of the names is also dangerous because it would reveal how the information was known, and Donald would be able to figure out who the leak was because he's flipping obsessed. With that. Would I a judge do that? Would it, based on what's happened the last week, would a judge sign off on the 
unsealing these documents that could potentially put it's, people's lives in not, I mean, I'm not, a, you know, as you know, I'm not a federal prosecutor, but a lot of my friends are. And this is not normal to do this. Most most defendants would have to would have to wait, I believe, right. is my understanding. But that's what that's my update on um, on what what is happening around this. And then, of course, um, what we're hearing is, you know, that Donald is trying to throw anyone under the bus. Uh-huh. everyone under uh-huh. the bus. Yep. Um, and I've also heard that Mary Trump, his niece, thinks it might be Jared who is the leak. That's what Seriously. I read. On, I read that on Twitter, Mary, and I think I think oh, well then it must be true. It must be true. That's what I got for you. <laughs> Fascinating. Um, yeah, I think she was speaking to uh, Dina Obadala when she um, made that. <laughs> Informed, <laughs> guess I don't know. Um, you know. I, you bring to mind a couple of things. Uh, I think personally that the passport thing was nothing. And all it did was make me wonder why is he thinking about his passport? Um, as we know, they don't take people's passports unless you know they're indicted and are considered as a flight risk. But at the same time, somebody with his alleged money and actual connections just hopped on a pl- private plane. So I, I don't think it would matter one way or the other. Uh, so sure. His Donald's That'd be cool. um, Get him to escape to another country. Brings to mind what happened last week. Once again, one side plays by the rules, which gives him an open field to lie, to stir up anger and insanity on the right. You know, we have uh, somebody who is in January 6th opening fire in an FBI facility, ends up getting shot to death um we have uh days during which the republican party was able to get organized and get on board and decide that once again they're not going to take the off-ramp they're going to go all in with donald and we have the media writing egregious headlines like garland vowed to depoliticize justice then the fbi searched mar-a-lago as if this is a political issue which is which it absolutely is not so how do we it's a fucking um, criminal issue or i guess I, i'm not sure what we can do but how does the doj and fbi um regain that ground because it is so dangerous to leave these people unchallenged well uh i think all of this goes to the rule of law and no one being above the law including ex-presidents i've had to remind uh journalists locally that there's no ex-president exception to uh search warrants uh which is a strange thing for a constitutional professor to have to do but they get these republican talking points and they fall for them That's, or they're not yeah, trained fox as lawyers they're just journalists fucking shut down fox so i thought it was very helpful to have name them Eric as co-conspirators speaking and talking about the rule of law <laughs> And also talking about the presumption of innocence. I thought that was a very important point that he included that. Yeah, I, absolutely. Because I think we've heard nothing but crickets. from the, Unless I'm missing something. I don't think we've heard much of anything. Except, of course, Rand Paul has to pipe up and say, we need to repeat the espionage act because <laughs> Donald might have committed espionage. Uh, <laughs> and it's yet again. 
an example of the extremism which we see playing out. And unless anybody has something to add right now, because again, we're we're at the beginning of this. We are. Um, we don't know uh, what is going to happen. We don't know what well, else they it have. It should be some fucking um, justice. I personally think it's it's very difficult at this point to believe that they went through all of this just to you know. Um, get some stuff back that he shouldn't have had. I, I can't end there. It seems to me highly unlikely uh, that it ends That's there. just a starter. So, um, <clears throat> it's just the apparent okay, uh, There's some info you have from the DNA <laughs> that, that might be relevant to this conversation. Let's, so let's hear that. Other than the grins and the laughs and the guffaws, yeah. Uh, <laughs> the guys that I'm talking about, now look, some of these people I've known 35, 40 years and they're upset particularly upset with uh, Donald Trump's uh, casting of them as the bad guy. But what what I've been what what's been told to me and that, that I can share without attribution is that the walls are closing in on Donald Yay. Trump. The moves between the DOJ and Georgia are coordinated. There are investigators at the uh, DOJ that are working on the Georgia investigation. The Georgia investigation is working hand in hand with uh, several investigations that the DOJ uh, has undertaken. And at this point, I can tell you there are many dozens of people working on it, more than a hundred that are working on these cases. And one of the things that was tough for them to take in the beginning was sitting still while everyone criticized America, including me, and criticized Merrick Garland for being slow to, to the game, but he wasn't. And it was, yeah, and he and they were meticulously putting it together from the very beginning. So this week, they said that we should be careful to watch what goes in, on in Georgia. Fifteen minutes after that, the thing came down about Rudy Giuliani being a target of the investigation. <laughs> so um, I'm led to believe that where I'm having to testify. And, and I'm, I'm led to believe that there will be more information from the DOJ about the Donald Trump investigation that will fall this week. So that, I, I don't know where it goes, but I do know, and Mary, you'll, you'll find this maybe funny, but um, I was speaking with Michael Cohen, who agrees with you exactly and thinks that it was Jared who's the, the snitch. And he also went farther. He says after he's um, interacted with the DOJ, he believes that Donald Trump will be indicted. Now, at the end of the day, for what everyone, even in the Justice Could Department, be anything. are moving in that direction, do not believe that Donald Trump will ever spend a night in Otisville or a federal prison. But he Why may not? well be confined to Mar-a-Lago with an ankle bracelet on and be unable to interact with the media, which would be that, as you said, if he's left in a room by himself, he ceases to exist, and that could indeed be the worst punishment um, that could be offered. In fact, Mary, I I will venture to say there are members of the DOJ who listen and watch your podcast because they use almost the exact same words. If he's in a room by himself, he will cease to exist. And at the end of the day, uh-huh. I don't think we could hope for anything better. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, that's heartening. A lot of that is heartening. Um, I, and because my position is, he has to be indicted. If he did, if yes. he is, if he is guilty of these, he should have been indicted a long time ago. But <laughs> at the very least, let's indict him for espionage. But yeah. if he continues to be That'd able be to neat. own Mar-a-Lago and Trump Tower and all those other places after all of this, then that's, I don't think that's really justice. But we'll get to that 
I think the indictment is more. Well, he shouldn't be able to stay there. He should be, you know, in a in a walk up in Sunnyside, Queens, or something. You know, we'll 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 leave the punishment for later because right now the indictment, the potential indictments, are the most important thing. Because Cliff, as much as uh, I think we don't want to have to talk about optics uh, and wish that we didn't have to talk about messaging. Both of those things really matter. And we've seen how optics matter with the January 6th committee hearings. I mean, imagine if those hearings had been held like other congressional hearings are held and everybody gets five minutes to grandstand and nothing ever gets accomplished, right? So these things do matter. And I think given um, the fact that uh, 2022 is coming up fast and um, we are in serious danger when two-thirds of Republicans who, who oh, you mean the won their primaries are going, you know, are, are pushing to overturn the results of 2020. Talking about we need something these uh, to, to show the American people that this is, not only is it serious, but it isn't just Donald Right. That's been sort of my mantra, the thing I've been screaming about in everything I do, is that it is all of them. They are him. He is them. Does anybody think Ted Cruz or Josh Hawley or, you know, Gozar and these people would be behaving any differently right now? The key is to make sure they have all literally tied themselves so closely to this man. Right. And so... So they right should go now, down too. He gets indicted. And, and I feel the same way as you. I mean, you know, I'm not a prosecutor. I'm not a lawyer. Um... I would, I would still be concerned even getting him in front of a jury if it's, you know, a regular jury, if it's possible to have a jury without one cultist on it at this point. But I am an expert in his right-wing media, having worked at Sinclair and places like that, and they've infected so many minds at this point that just, that just making sure there's a fair trial concerns me. So, But indicting him and making sure he has that stain against him and that yeah, all exactly. this comes out and that we have further January 6th hearings as we're going to have in September and then just boom, boom. You keep hitting them with that messaging that they've all defended him and you're showing Marco Rubio and Rand Paul and all these people in ads how they stood there by Trump and they lied about the FBI and they encouraged violence and they're with him and they think women deserve no rights. And there's, you know, there's a simple message you can put together there about how ill-fit the Republican Party is to have any kind of power, how dangerous they are to your personal freedoms, how dangerous they are to our national security. That's a great ad. Beyond the Democratic base turning out like crazy, like it did clearly in Kansas, and people who were, you know, moderates switching sides there, like that's what we want. We want the base turning out like crazy, and we want people that are in the same you know, people that are Republicans because that's just what their family was. And they've always been kind of moderate Republicans or people that have broken away her independence just to look at the entire party and say, from dog catcher up into president, I can't vote for these people. Like we can't have a replay of 2020 where they maybe saw them vote against Trump, but they vote for their congressman who ended up decertifying electoral votes. So they vote for their senator who we know now in many cases were behind the scenes working with Trump. They have to all be politically destroyed by this. So yes, yes. he gets indicted. So indict it's them incredibly, all. incredibly important here. Yeah, and George. Mm-hmm. <laughs> 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 is, is Wordle hard today? <laughs> 
No, I just yeah. do the times a mini. Wordle's too high. Oh, okay. okay. Wordle's too high tone for me. <laughs> <laughs> the inimitable yeah. George Hahn. Come to go. All right, so take a break from spelling bee for a second. I'm kidding. <laughs> Who doesn't love cereal? The crunch, the sweetness, the way you can accidentally eat a whole box Mary. or sneak it as a midnight snack. Really? And Magic Spoon has truly innovated and changed the game of taking up sugar and upping the protein. They've perfected the crunchy texture hands. with an astounding variety of flavors that always hit the spot, but without any of the things my own that ads. are bad for you. There's a flavor for everyone, from the so, richest chocolate to the I just, sweetest. I just noticed there's been a jump in my... Um, my listenership so thank you for that uh it's like 8.3k just on this pod- podcast which is awesome um maybe i'll get more than uh one hour's minimum wage pay for my podcasting this year haha <laughs> no my um my goal is a million listeners and it's not just so i can make uh support myself with the advertising but, um, which is always cool, have another income stream, but it's, uh, to get a bigger platform so that this pro-democracy movement succeeds and there's no taking no for an answer. It has to succeed. So do your part. Support all these people. Go Don't to... Magicspoon.com slash Mary to grab a custom bundle of cereal. And also, uh, do your part if you if you're if you dig this podcast, my podcast, and the, how I cover Midas Touch and Lincoln Project and Mary Trump and and Michael Cohen, Mea Culpa and Politics Girl and YouTube Shorts and uh, January 6th committee hearings and as well as Johnny Depp. Then. Um, go sign my move on petition to indict and expel all these motherfuckers. HTTPS colon slash slash BIT dot LY slash 3KA1MMD. Uh, it's case sensitive, so I'll put the, I'll put it in the, in the comments, in the write-up. So long now. That just, this just feels like another in a long series of escalations that, um, has been allowed to happen because there are never any consequences for anything. Exactly. Um, well, that's because his mentor was Roy well, Cohen, a, have to be a, a mob a boss a, lawyer. A we, we kind of dig our heels into the ground and say, enough it's and no more. But this does at least feel different. And, you know, people don't yell at, you know, people listening, watching, don't, don't yell at me. I understand. Nothing bad. Nothing ever happens. But there's, uh, there's sometimes you get to the point where things just don't go away. And that's always been the case for Dalton. He does some horrible thing and then he does another horrible thing. And the first horrible thing just disappears. So nothing's cumulative. I think that changed on January 6th. So... Uh, if they start hearings again soon, I think this is really going to gain traction in a way that um, nothing has before, 
And if you add the, into that uh, the egregious decisions of this corrupt, totally illegitimate Supreme Court, Democrats might have a, a winning hand they can't fuck up. No, no, they can always mess it up. <laughs> I'm talking to George. I'm trying to be positive. <laughs> well, interestingly, or perhaps not interestingly, I don't know, but... <laughs> You know, Palin, Sarah Palin, who is the direct descendant of the Let's Get Stupid movement. Actually, um, she's the founder. Well, you know, some could some argue that it That's went George all the way w. back. To, like, it started, the seeds were planted all the way back with Reagan. But Yeah, actually, you're right. Uh, Nixon, I would say, or Nixon, but like, you know, in, the, in this, in this uh, century, in this, um, mm-hmm. yeah, in the 21st yep. century, <sighs> Palin... Uh, sort of like opened the gates for like made it okay to be stupid and not just okay but like preferable for a lot of people and actually <laughs> doing things like reading, thinking critically, uh, you <laughs> know, learning new things and factoids and all of that was the devil and um, <laughs> you know it continues. <laughs> mm-hmm. So it's funny she's after over a decade out of politics she's back on the scene again. Is she Trump? Dumb as a bag of bricks. Enough? Like it's it's yeah. a little. Um, so anyway, uh, to your point, will this go away? He is sort of like political COVID. Are we going to have to just sort of leave it? <laughs> um, I don't know. but No, we can't. Um, we don't and, have the antibodies. And, 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 and I scratch my head constantly on a daily basis every time I look at Twitter and, or see another uh, alert on my phone thinking like with these Republicans, this is a party and a movement that that uh, and cliff mentioned this touched upon this they they're really just interested in taking things away basic rights you know um and they really the only beneficiaries of this movement seem to be rich straight white guys except peter thiel but like rich straight white guys closeted uh, closeted i've done some research there and uh, that'll be in the book Uh, but, um, you know, these, 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 like, oh God, and they're boring and they can't dance and t- or tell a joke. Yes. <laughs> they can't even do the Macarena. <laughs> and then I there's call the white guy up, under my... <laughs> And they're, they're constantly, <laughs> what, crazy legs. Design choices are just horrible. Oh my God! I, somebody said the other day that like what's really what's the real crimes at Mar-a-Lago were the desi- were the interior designs. Yeah, you should blame Marjorie Merriweather Post for that because that's exactly what it looked like. Really, <laughs> it was really <laughs> white a little bit. Right, a lot of gold radiators. Bad deliberation. I mean, can, can we just drop a footnote and ask ourselves: Have any fascist movements ever had? Good design? No, they no. can't. They, they, no, the they Nazism destroys creativity and... No, they're and toxic white males. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, not always it's white males, but they're toxic straight males for the most part, so it's impossible. It's, Yes, it is. It is funny to a point that, Jen, you actually bring up a point that I think is interesting, and there is, I think, a through line in terms of uh, there is no discernment or taste. It goes from just like... And they also don't have a fucking sense of with uh, you know uh, 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 politics or intellect. Yeah, there's no art. Well, there's no you have philosophy. Have to there's control, right uniform uniformity, no. creativity, questioning, thinking for yourself. 
are at odds with authoritarian movements, right? They're, and also with this sort of like, there must be this savior figure. So, you know, anyone who would want that, like, isn't really that interesting. Just well, think, we, think about what happened in the, guy, hold on, in, hold on, in the four years of the Trump administration, what happened? Didn't go to the Kennedy Center honors, uh, probably totally defunded um, the, whatever that, what is NPR, it called? The PBS. The government funded Over the agency. Thank you very much. Um, you know, probably underfunded that uh, egregiously. And the war on Sesame Street. The war on Sesame Street. The war on culture. What they did to the, the Rose culture. Garden, uh, the Christmas, the bloody Christmas. You know, it, I mean, I know that seems frivolous, but it isn't because it's just another thing, another freedom. They have tech. There is and, this. They try to mm -hmm. cling to this American culture. There is no culture in what they're trying to talk about. There isn't any. And every culture that is American comes from somewhere else. Really? A Confederate flag is a hell of a cultural statement. Come on. Absolutely. And, 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 and like, this is a, this is, these are people who, you know, they love their rock and roll, but I, I would be loath to find an inductee in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame that wouldn't hate every fucking one of these people and wouldn't want any yeah. of them at their concerts and stop using my music at your rallies bullshit. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, all hail comedian legends like, you know, George Carlin, even Joan Rivers would be like, who are you people? Get out of here. Yeah. Um, they all got it wrong. And, you know, so I'd like to see your own wrinkles take a shot at them. But, oh, God, that would be delicious. Um, <laughs> but, um, you know, this is a real uh, culturally ass backwards. It's a stunted growth. It's an ap it's an atrophy. Uh, it's a rage against uh, intellectualism and thinking. And look at what, what, what uh, Ron DeSantis is doing with like recruiting teachers with no training. Veterans. You know, what? Like learning is optional. Like, what is this? Yeah. Well, what the fuck is this? Brian, hang on a second. Hang on a second because I want to go to Chara. One, because her dad was an artist. Two, because she's in Florida. Uh, you know, the ground zero of our part of fascist uh, movement down there. And also, Chara, I think so much of what we're talking about can be located in the fact that um, the worst among us were given free reign for two years, and that disease metastasized, and every, every institution, every norm, has been threatened, and in some cases, um, irrevocably. Yeah, um, Ron DeSantis has been uh, picking on people who are smaller than him, or, or less powerful than him. Um, if anything from the Don't Say Gay bill, which is now law in Florida, which is impacting how teachers can interact with their students, uh, essentially, you can't talk about sexuality with third graders or younger. Well, you have third graders who have gay parents, and that is now a taboo subject in their own school. So I think they are only damaging, you know, the most powerless among Floridians. And his, his, his stuff stuff recently with suspending 
He should be forced out of office. Prosecutor Biden. Uh, Andrew Warren. He's a state attorney, which is uh, a prosecutor for Hillsborough County, otherwise known as Tampa. And the reason that he was suspended is he said in a letter that he would not prosecute people for having abortions. He, he, there wasn't a active case that he refused to prosecute. And that is so close to dismissing an elected official for a thought crime. It, it's really, really scary. And even if, even if uh, this man had, uh, did have a case in front of him, as you said, he's an elected official. Can governors just say, yeah, you know what? I don't, I don't agree with you. I know that people chose you, but I don't care. Well, well actually, Florida's kind of known for this. Uh, there was a referendum, I think it was in 2016, I'm not sure, to restore voting rights to former felons. And the Florida legislature, which is very dominated by Republicans, said, eh, I don't really give a shit what you, the Florida voter, thinks. And I think it, it's very important to keep an eye on DeSantis not, I, you know, I'm not sure about him as a national candidate because the man has no charisma, and I don't know that his thuggery plays outside of uh, his, you know, increasingly small bubble. Um, but it is worth looking at because he's a template. Every time he says something, he's got law enforcement standing behind him. Uh, that's a bad sign. Because, you know, law enforcement is really not supposed to engage in political stuff. I mean, let's just let's just ask Tony Ornato about that. You know, the guy who's Secret Service, supposed to be all neutral, although if you read Carol Lenning's book, um, Zero Fail, we know that's, that's nonsense. Um, but, you know, goes and takes a very political decision as a de- deputy uh, chief of staff for the White House. And now he's back as um, leader of... You know, he's in charge of training at the Secret Service. Now, I mean, we're, they're blurring the lines so much that it's very difficult to stay focused <laughs> on what they're doing, what they're undermining, and uh, just how far they're willing to go, which, by the way, is all the way. Did you know that only 45% of high school students feel they're prepared for college or careers? Today's sponsor, Stride Career Prep, is helping change that. Stride Career Prep lets students take charge. Yeah, thanks for tuning in to the Christopher Governator Show. And I'm uh, not one for ads, except for uh, supporting indigenous creators like Asinabe. And this is a, several, I've done a shout out several times for my, and my, my friends, an indigenous creator named Asanabe, well, uh, Asanabe on Twitter and Instagram, I mean, uh, TikTok, okay? And his legend, his live sessions are legendary. He's an educator, a Native American educator. He's also got, um, uh, counseling uh substance abuse counseling and for youth youth counseling too so um and he does these beautiful uh wonderful um properly and ceremonial prepared spirit catchers 
dream catchers dream catchers excuse me I have one actually he makes them and it goes live well he's making them and and um, so they're probably made and also he still sage sage so go buy something from uh, his name is Everett La Framboise beautiful name the strawberries the strawberry mr. strawberry strawberry is a hard word to say actually when I think about it um, and uh, do support all of these other creators that I support in my podcast. Being alone with his innermost demons and doing battle with a world he can't stand and can't understand. It is a life dominated by fear, hence his need to make everyone else fearful. He does it because he doesn't want to be alone. I've never seen a, a man more afraid of being alone than Donald Trump. His status and his privilege give him an immense ability to affect others, which he does so to suit his needs and his alone. It is the DeSantos, it, uh, it is the others who have an authoritarian agenda who have made use of Donald Trump's weaknesses to further their agenda. And they're the ones at the end of the day that are, are going to have to be watched after Donald Trump. I do believe Donald Trump will be investigated and indicted, and whatever happens is up to the criminal justice system. But it's keeping track of all those people who have made hay, including the Josh Hawleys of the world, the uh, Stephen Millers of the world, that those people going forward are held accountable because they're the they're the answer spread. And Donald Trump, I think, in the end, it, with any luck, will be a horrible footnote in history. Uh, but it's going to take a lot of work to make sure that the others that he's uh, incited and who do have those authoritarian uh, desires. Trump is just about... Yeah, he, you know what, Brian? I know you want to make him a footnote, but he's not going to be a footnote. I know, he I know. A million, you're right, Mary, you're right. He killed a million people because of COVID. I want to go back to Charlie for a second. Yeah, thank you, Mary. Um, because... Thank you for pointing that out. Is again, as, as Brian's pointing Bio out, you know, the focus is often on Donald when call the dudes like Stephen Miller, demand bioterrorism charges. You know, they get off the hook. Um, and it seems to me that part of that is a breakdown. Uh, one thing we learned from his administration is that again, there are no traditions, there are no norms. There's no you can't rely on human decency. Decency. You can't rely on a person's sense of shame if they don't have one. So we we saw how fragile our institutions were and continue to be because if you can't hold seditionists accountable and allow them to continue to participate in governing us. Right. If you can't figure out a way to uh, right the wrong of a 6-3 Supreme Court that is doing everything in its power to undermine the progress we've made, uh, give or take, in the last 50 or 60 years, to uh, promote a political anti-American agenda, then what can we do? I, I, you know, I think it undermines... It, it plays into um, the Republican base, and it undermines the faith that the rest of us are trying to continue to have in a system that's really broken. Well, I think one of the things that I'm encouraged by is the effectiveness of the January 6th committee. They have really let um, prosecutors, both state and federal, have a, a blueprint to prosecuting lots of different crimes, whether it's the fake electors or sedition or interrupting a congressional uh, proceeding, 
there are many different crimes that many different people, including sitting members of Congress, face. And we mentioned earlier what's going on in Fulton County, Georgia, yeah. that Rudy Giuliani is now a target and Lindsey Graham can't quash his subpoena. So I am encouraged that there are prosecutors out there who are going to enforce the rule of law. It's going to take a little while. And I think mm -hmm. the, the, the sadness is today is an election day and Liz Cheney may lose her seat in Congress today. But I think in the long run, Sorry, the work that she did with the January 6th committee for something will else. help us get back on the right track. Sadly, Sarah Palin will probably be nominated today in Alaska. Or I guess they've got the, the top four system or whatever, but she'll come through that. You know what, Cliff? I, I saw a, a, I think it was the headline on, on the top, front page of the Times, that Alaska voters are divided as to whether, you know, Sarah Palin has their backs or abandoned them to, to for national fame. I'm like, in what universe did she ever have your back? Like, the, the <laughs> fact that people are so willing to continue to delude themselves, and, and for what? Like, is it, sometimes I just think it's because... Um, we, we shifted the conversation from we want the people who lead us to be better than we are, smarter, more accomplished, more experienced experts in government and in politics. You know, politics is the expertise in government to some degree, right? And once it was, who would you rather have a beer with? The conversation then became, you know, I want people in, in, in government leaders who don't make me feel bad about my shortcomings. Right. I mean, I'll, I'll make a generalization about it, which is, sorry, if uh, right-wingers are offended. And actually, I'm not sorry. I think that's our like, job. By saying, I'm, by saying I'm sorry, I mean I'm not sorry in the slightest. Um, which is, I think, you know, all of us sitting here and people who generally have liberal politics, who are educated, who are worldly, who... I was glad that Barack Obama was smarter than me. I wasn't insecure. That was awesome because oh, yeah. I want I want somebody there who I know you know will will be is is just about the smartest person you can have there. We want the most talented people there. We want the most empathetic people there. We want the most competent people there. The problem is it's not just the selling of the who do you want a beer with. That was part of it, but it's also the selling of like like oh well they're just expert politicians. They're talking down to you. You should want people just like you. And so, yeah. you know, who's that? Kid Rock and, you know, like like Chachi? I mean, if Kid uh, Rock and Chachi are just like you, you need to examine your life choices. Yeah, but that, that's sadly, that's a lot of this country who now they're like, they're because look, <laughs> people look at Marjorie Taylor Greene, sadly, and they're reminded of themselves, you know? And, and they look at, and, and Pauly and Cruz obviously are Ivy League educated and just pretending. But, you know, there's there's some real ones in there. I mean, Marsha Blackburn's a complete moron. They look at her and they're like, yeah, that's she's, like she's one of her kind of people. Yeah, yeah. we will like her. Like her. Oh, she's really going to bring America back to the right. basics. Right, to, to uh, Christian theocratic apartheid state. That's exactly it's what it's Jesus, where's my gun? I'm not talking... Just to be clear, I'm not talking about socioeconomic status. I'm not talking about education. I am talking about the belief system i'm talking about um <laughs> sorry yes the, the midwestern accent spot on um i'm talking about <laughs> the fact that these people constantly lie and they are racist misogynistic 
anti-immigrant bullies. Yes. Uh, you know, so is it enough? Seriously, is it enough to, to feel like, uh, you know, they're just like you in these ways? So their hatred is worth putting up with? Or is it the hatred that they like? I, yeah. I, I think yeah. it was what just one it? line. Let People me just say one line, on and then I'll, I'll kick whoever, which is LBJ's big, you know, line always was, you know, for when he's talking about right wing Southerners and others, is that as long as you can make the lowest white man feel better than the best black man, I'm obviously not using certain words, then you know you can win them over, and, and that's a metaphor for a lot of this. Okay. Yeah, I think that's true. What was it about the pre-Donald time? You know, there was a time. That, uh, that was the quote. This right, was it Nixon who said that? These people felt afraid to come out in daylight <laughs> with their beliefs. But Donald gave them all a giant permission slip <laughs> to, you know, march, speak, carry tiki torches from, where did they come from? Home Depot. Fucking run people um, over with cars. Demonize, ca demonize khakis. And, <laughs> um, you know, just kind of make all kinds of things look bad in the interest of racism, white supremacy. Um, but there was a time when these people felt like, oh, that's what I believe, but I got to shut the fuck up about it. Now they, now they feel emboldened to be loud about it. Which is better or worse, number one, and what do, what, like, what, what do we do now with it? I like seeing it out in the open rather than being hidden, but who gave I do too. I do too. Like, we turn the lights, it's like we turn the lights on and the roaches are everywhere. Yeah. Wait a second, Jen. Wait, 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 you guys, guys. As a woman growing up in, in America, these folks have never been hidden from us. Right. Try to be a middle school girl in America. Right. You know, a, in other words, a black boy or girl. Yeah, sure. I, you know, it's been. But I think what's different is there are more people. More people are vocal about this, and we have someone. I don't think the numbers have changed, though, Jen. I think it's a, a function of social media. These people have always existed. I got called right. sand. Inward going to school. We always knew they were there. But I think they can convince more people now because of social media. The problem is, is there are people that maybe have some inclinations and pre like cult TV, pre Fox, Sinclair, Salem, whatever. They were, I've heard, haven't you guys heard these stories? Friends of yours or parents of your friends and others that were once liberal and are now like, you know, well, after watching Fox. Liberal. <laughs> oh, wait a second, guys. I think, yes, obviously social media is, is a blight. No, it needs to be regulated. No, Republicans, sadly. So. Right. Everybody's, but, got, everybody's got a video camera in their pocket, too, so we're seeing yes, more but, of it. But I think also what is very important is that oh, from point, 2017 guys. to 2019, these people were represented by 100% of the federal government. They were empowered in a way they hadn't been since Jim Crow. That's so, what I mean. They've been emboldened. Yes. Exactly. Yeah. So all of those other factors are absolutely uh, part of the equation, but without the empowerment and without being emboldened, I'm not so sure uh, that we're operating in the same landscape. By the same token, Jen, I think we can say the same thing about um, the government and our and the failures of our institutions now we've said look the institutions held well yeah because one person here and there like a 23 year old uh cassidy hutchinson right or who by the way didn't say anything until a year and a half later um I mean, I'm glad you said something, but remember, a lot of those people just didn't say anything when it might have mattered for. So it's 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 the whole picture. 
Uh, it isn't just um, the base. Jen. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's funny, you know, this thing about institutions. Um, you know, the institutions aren't holding if you have to keep saying our institutions help. You know? <laughs> 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 um, oh, that's going on a coffee mug. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, you know that, bridge, that one bridge just hasn't fallen, and you know, SCOTUS didn't hold, and that's a lifetime. Right. That's, that's lifetime. right. And um, you know, we're also. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. And you know, it's. I live. You know, um, even though I spend my time thinking a lot about Washington and New York and these big cities, possibly because I grew up in the Midwest and now I live in like Western Massachusetts, sort of outside of all of this stuff i what most of my time when i'm not working i'm kind of occupying what we might call like more of the real world where people you know mm. although i guess i live in uh, the people's republic of you know but still but i get this you know the people who i think who, a lot of people i know just don't focus on politics but what they do they do get um what does seep through unfortunately is the both sidesism that keeps getting played out and what does come through is this kind of you know this whole like the you know the institution that hasn't held is free and fair elections because even though you know people know that you know no, you know we hear even bill barr saying it wasn't stolen we still have the republicans who have completely eviscerated they tried to, to you know john roberts the voting rights act and yeah my friend Charles knows what about the three hundred thousand law than i do but ballots that mr trump and DeJoy stole in the, in the know, mail the, the, the system but also the inability and the inaccessibility of the ballot for people the fear that our votes won't be counted fairly because of the these crazy uh, election deniers getting in charge of the secretary of state's offices and our local officials who are counting the ballots so now like you know i don't know if our institutions held there could be nothing more important no than the right to they vote. totally did and not Roberts began unraveling that fucking miracle mike pence so, like, becomes a hero what uncomfortable about that and douche i hope that that last dam doesn't break but i'm not sure he just volunteered he volunteered you could argue the supreme ask him to come in and talk all about it you could argue that yes 2020 was the most uh free and fair election in our country's history if you're not a person of color who was kicked off the voter rolls for absolutely no reason or if you're a person of color who had to wait in line for 12 hours um and we know that's only going to get worse uh because of what the republican party is doing but we're also talking about the fact that what has not been uh investigated the kidnapping torture and incarceration of children at the border um the mass murder of a million yeah. people. Yeah, charge him for that too. Don't forget Donald that. Couldn't deal with, uh, you know, any kind of negativity. Remember the children. Had to lie about it. Um, and on and on. And I'm wondering uh, if. Don't this, forget the fucking. Know, the kids. The Democrats. Uh, Don't forget the kids. Knew they had to focus on one thing. Just as you know, there's been some speculation that. <clears throat> The DOJ knew that it was dealing with these extraordinarily serious issues, so they had to focus on that and let some statute of limitations pass because huh. it would have been it would have diluted. I, I mean, I don't know that I've heard that, and maybe that's true. Um, maybe it is important 
to focus on one or two things instead of giving them I, I don't know. I, I just find it so incredibly frustrating that they're getting away with so much. But at the same time, well, so far, New York does its job and Georgia, Fulton County does its job and the DOJ does its job and the January 6th committee does its job, then it can't possibly begin. We need to get Donald angry uh, or more vocal at least. That's, that's my hope. Uh, any last thoughts about that? Um, Fucking speak the fuck well, up, I, I guess I, I think America. We'll to to see the DOJ. I'm not going to make the mistake I made before. I guess that they're not. I do know that they're investigations of the kids in cages events. I do know that there are Yay. other things that the DOJ is, is involved in. But I think Thank you. for the American people right now, the function is the, the focus Thank you, DOJ. has to be if you believe that uh, the law applies equally to everyone, that is, whether you're a homeless person in New York City or the former president of the United States, that the same rules apply. No one is above the law. Therefore, Donald Trump must be not only investigated, but he must be indicted. Whether it, how it falls out in court is up to the court system, and we'll all have to accept whatever happens. But we need to see. I'd like to see. All right, Jen. <laughs> Why not both? Would love to see Donald homeless. He may well. He, well, he should, yeah. again, he should not be allowed to live in Mar-a-Lago. Well, no, no, no. Well, and, and no. I think at the end of the day, in you know, a, Mary, a, I've talked with other members of the DOJ who said it's not beyond the pale that, solitary. that the uh, federal government to uh, pay debts incurred no. by Donald Trump would Just seize nothing properties. Nothing but fucking uh, psychoanalysis so by that's, his niece. That's definitely niece. Uh, something that's at least under consideration and it could be done. So he may well not end his up in His niece could help him out. I don't help, think he ends up you know? in Otisville. Higher uh, Mary is, is a psychotherapist and otherwise Jared put him in a fucking uh, jail. So, I mean, okay. like, uh, as long as Jared also has to live you know, uh, Tim Woodard would swear, same thing a prisoners get, fucking ankle bracelet and no fucking internet. is investigating everything that needs to be investigated, although I'm still, I hope... That at the end of the day, and I've been told by those who work inside the DOJ that Merrick does not cater to politics. No access to the, the press. The law, because I do not want to see something um, waiting. I don't want to see them waiting until after the midterm to file if they can file before the midterm. And the only consideration oh, no, for not we filing until after the midterm elections orange is because of considerations. That would be taking politics from time into consideration. To time. And I would... Well, they didn't. There, there's a 60-day window that I mean we can talk about another time. As Comey said, you know he, didn't have fo- he didn't follow it. Well, because that's a, but I'm trying to keep my blood pressure low, so let's not go there. Uh, George, hang on one second, because Brian said something, Chara, that that said two things that that I just want you to speak to briefly. One is, lay people like me. Uh, are very frustrated that political time is much, much faster than legal slash judicial time. Uh, and two, um, I'm not so sure. I mean, hopefully he's right that that nobody uh, in Donald's orbit is above the law, but I kind of feel like uh, six people on the Supreme Court are. Yeah, the uh, 6-3 Supreme Court no, is they're not, actually. a real danger. Uh, there does not the president seem to can be an adult among them. Pressure them Perhaps to step down. The chief justice counts as the and adult, we can but he too. cannot control 
five justices to his right. right. So I think they will do more damage before they become self-aware and stop. So I did want to add one Florida case to uh, your radar, which is uh, the Florida ghost candidate scandal out of 2020. Um, That may come to a head very soon because uh, a man named Frank Artillas, who has been charged in that scandal, his case, his criminal case, is scheduled for August 30th. And... Who knows what will come out of that prosecution? Uh, It is possible that the press is right and that the ultimate funding for the ghost candidates in the 2020 election was a company called Florida Power and Light. And that, I think, is explosive, but not quite proven yet. And so (laughs) this is the continuation of the Mary Trump show. yeah, I mean, you know, the, the basics are always the same, working out, good music, anything that can get, get the heart going and get you forgetting about things. But by far the best is always Rich and Boys. You know, I got a 15-year-old and a 12-year-old, and they're awesome. And over the weekend, we went out and just kicked the soccer ball around because my 12-year-old's trying out for a team, you know, that's going to be, you know, a tough team that hopefully you'll make. And, like, joy, laughter, being around them. I love them. I adore them. And they can make me forget any of this shit, which is <laughs> really helpful for those few moments. Cool. Uh, Jen? Yeah, I'm doing something new. Instead of starting to panic that, you know, if summer is ending, even though I love fall, pretty soon it's going to be like March through April of hell. I've decided this year I'm going to focus on like planning for cross-country skiing, and I'm getting some new boots. Nice. And, and then my husband, of course, said, what makes you think it's going to snow this year? But <laughs> I will drive up to Vermont if necessary to find trails. So I am, like this week, getting all my cross-country ski gear ready. It's going to be put in one corner of my office here at home. So whenever I start to freak out about a cold cold weather moving in, I'm just going to think about like the good side of winter. Nice. I've never been, I've always wanted to cross country ski. I never have. I need to rectify that situation, but I might, we might have to go to Switzerland to do that, unfortunately. Okay. Uh, okay. We're there. Shara. Uh, uh, I do two hopeful things. I garden and I teach. With both of them, you start with nearly nothing and you hope a year from now that uh, I garden you a have podcast. something to show for it. Oh, I love that. Amen. That's awesome. George? mind blown that's awesome um i love riding i have this like wonderful folding brompton bicycle i love riding around central park it brings me a lot of joy and a lot of like release and we've had some good movies out this summer and i have really rekindled my love of not a too crowded movie theater but i love being in in a movie theater with a bucket of popcorn a diet coke and a bag of twizzlers like that is such a happy place for me i love it yeah, you know, I've been thinking about that. I you, When I lived in Manhattan years and years and years ago, I used to go to like three movies a week. Uh, and I haven't been to one since pre-COVID. So that's when I get back. That's definitely uh, what I'm doing. Because I'm on the Cape right now, which is, uh, you know, one of my favorite places to be. You know, Beautiful. just breathing in that uh, salt air. And I'm on day 30 of my detox uh so i'm sort of starting to feel kind of sort of human again um because listen uh the the relay race is over 
we're heading into sprint territory with 84 days left. So, you know, I'm glad everybody is doing something that is um, restorative and helping. Uh, you know, we all need we all need Mary, something. Mary, give me a shout out, to, Judy. Um, that's good. That you know, to, as simple as that sounds, we need things that that feed us in ways that you know make us better people, make us better able to handle all of the horrors without turning into the people we're fighting against. You know, uh, so all of you are amazing, and I appreciate you so much, and I'm so grateful that you were here today. Chara, thank you so much for joining us. It was incredibly wonderful to have you. I hope you'll come back. And uh, everybody else, I'll see you next week. And uh, have a great week. <laughs> have a good one. Thanks, guys. <laughs> Bye. Bye, guys. Bye, guys. It was a pleasure. Well, that was awesome. Thank you, Mary. Thank you so, so much to Chara Torres Spellacy, uh, professor at, of law at Stetson University, again, and author of Corporate Citizen and Political Brands, for joining us today. It was really, really wonderful to get her perspective. Great and of show, course, man. thank you so much to the Nerd Adventures. And thank you to all of you for the Nerd Adventures. with us and uh, watching, listening, spreading the word. Uh, yeah, we are we are getting close, guys. Uh, so let's let's keep the ball rolling. Let's keep the momentum going, um, and you know, be sure to to share the link with people. And as you know, our Thursday show uh, coming up at 7 p.m. 4 p.m. Eastern, you can see, I'm sorry, 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Pacific, you can go to youtube.com slash Politicon, and uh, next Tuesday, uh, the Nerd Adventures will return, and that's also youtube.com slash Politicon at 12 p.m. Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific, and while you're on uh, the Politicon YouTube channel, please subscribe to Politicon, doesn't cost anything and uh like the episode leave a comment there if you'd like and click on that bell because that way you will be sure to be alerted every time a new video drops and that's not just Great the episode stuff. thanks that's mary let's uh move on to uh the ray no let's see the, this week with mary trump breaking developments this is a big week in in um News. This has been the best news for me personally since over six years ago, you know. And in fact, I can't think of a can't think of a better week for news like in my life span so far. Thanks for a hey, hundred million listeners. <laughs> Thanks for a million followers for and listeners. Technical difficulties, and as you can see, it's just me, for which I apologize. But we're working on it. In the meantime, I thought we'd do something a little bit different and take some questions if you have any. Uh, just type something in in the comments, and uh, just to let you know what's sort of been on my mind recently. Um, obviously, the 
rare good news at Kansas. The raid? And the fact that they voted down that horrific ballot initiative, which would have um, legislated away uh, the right to choose uh, in that state. It was defeated soundly by 60 to 40. That's a two to one margin. So that is incredibly good news. Uh, and what's even better about that is that um, we can we can extrapolate out from those numbers because keep in mind Kansas is a solidly red state. You know, it's it's not even close to being purple. Um, and by crunching those numbers, we we can tell, or I, I should say, we can um, speculate. Uh, in, a, in an informed way about how that kind of vote would go down in other states. We learned some really quite fascinating things, actually, about um, the vote, too. It was the highest turnout since the 2018 midterms. 900,000 people came out um, to vote. That's great. And this great wasn't news. a midterm. This was a primary and I think the the cynicism behind uh, the reason this ballot initiative was put on the ballot in the primary is because the anti-life majority in the state was counting on low turnout. They did not expect at all that a significant minority of Republicans would cross party lines to make sure that all Kansans were fully realized American citizen. So um, that really does bode well. I just had a question about why Ivana was buried on a fucking golf course. I have no idea why. Um, Tax purposes. What I can say, though, is, and this is is not something I I have ever said, I I don't think. Um, it, it, It surprised me. And when I first heard that news and saw those pictures, I swear I thought they were fake. What I fake? did not what for pictures? a second believe that that was possible. But what was possible? Not because Donald isn't capable of such a thing. Of course he is. But it wasn't his call. I mean, he, I mean, he's been married twice about... since then. She remarried as well. The only people who had it in, a, in their power to make that decision were her children. And again, doesn't surprise me that, that Donnie... Or Eric would do something so pathetic and so in line, probably with what their father wanted to get, you know, a tax break by turning the golf course into a cemetery. No, it does surprise me a little bit that Ivana thought it was okay because the the optics are so horrific that you would think that she would want to be like her body's. She would want to distance herself away from such a thing with a thirty-nine. He did it without her consent. It's just egregious. What makes you uh, think that she he he did that with her consent? Reasonable explanation is that tax break. Those were Ivana's wishes. Not that that's reasonable. I mean, that's insane. But at least, you know, those are her wishes. Um, But I, who who knows? She was only seventy-three. I don't know if she had any. Any, anything in writing, but wow. <laughs> it's just, uh, 
they they just keep uh, telling us who they are, don't they? I was asked about um, my reactions to the Alex Jones trial. Um, (laughs) I honestly, I'm I'm waiting to hear about the punitive damages. Um, So fifty million dollars is pretty good, huh, Mary? I do have a. uh, I did have a quite extreme reaction um, to the um, award that the jury gave to the Sandy Hook families suing Alex Jones. Yeah, that's awesome. That's great. To remind everybody. Congratulations, um, families. Sandy Hook was the worst school shooting in American history. Um, The number of of six-year-olds slaughtered is unimaginable. The horrors those families went through are unimaginable. And... um, because he's one of the most worthless, despicable human beings who ever lived. Uh, Alex Jones thought it would be fun for him, I guess, uh, to go on his show every day and tell his millions and millions of listeners that uh, Sandy Cook was a hoax and that the children were crisis actors and their parents were, uh, I don't even know, like I like what parents would, would, would have their children participate in such a thing. Um, so obviously he was found guilty of defamation and the jury awarded uh, the family $4.1 million judgment, um, again, which is crushing unless they come through with punitive damages, which I believe we'll find out tomorrow. So, um, here's hoping I, I mean, I, it, it's, it's sort of, uh, unspeakable that these parents have have to go through any of this but clearly they wanted um justice and in this case justice would have been destroying alex jones financially and that hasn't come anywhere near close to happening so let's let's keep our fingers crossed <laughs> the forward well, 50 million dollars uh, for what? those of you who haven't how much is he worth? I've heard about this because it will only make your head explode. So I guess that's my job. I'm going to make your head explode. Um, the fascinating trio of David Jolly, who's a former Congress congressman, I, I think from Florida, but I'm not really sure. He was in Congress, I think, for two years. Uh, Christine Todd Whitman, former governor of New Jersey, and I think she was in um, George W. Bush's cabinet. And. Yeah. The execrable Andrew Yang, who ran a vanity campaign for president for the Democratic nomination, and then who ran a doomed from the start campaign for New York City mayor. Um, who no, you know, who has no credibility and uh, absolutely nothing to offer. They have started, yes, a third party, which is what you do. Historically, when you want to destroy the party in power. Now, we know from the start that this is absolutely a Chinese spy. um, (laughs) Not only is is it an exercise in folly and, and ego, it's also absolutely disingenuous. They they published an op-ed in the Washington Post in which they revealed their hand immediately by equating 
the Republican Party's um, egregious behavior with the Democratic Party's policies that these three assholes just don't agree with. I mean, it, it was one of the most puerile, um, transparent acts of selfishness I've ever seen. And the fact that even one vote would be taken away from Democratic candidates is one vote too many. So, yeah, I, I think that um, they need to be ridiculed into oblivion because... It's dangerous. It's absolutely dangerous. I mean, just think Ralph Nader, George W. Bush, Al Gore. Al Gore lost by 537 because yeah, I mean, Al Gore was a weak candidate. Do we really think that would have happened if Ralph Nader had, had you know, taken his gigantic ego and stayed home? Um, he was the best qualified. Fuck you. When Susan Sarandon. Fuck you on that point. Upon the world. So, you know, nobody gets to live that down. So, listen. Uh, there is absolutely nothing good that can come out of this. Um, I just, I honestly don't, I don't know who told them <laughs> this was a good idea. Well, actually, you know what? I, uh, and I'll tell you. China? People like, let's stick with David Jolly for a second. I don't know him. I've never met him. I have no interest in meeting him. But he, of course, has been uh, a, a pundit on MSNBC. I don't know if he's a paid analyst, but he really shouldn't be. Um, <laughs> because he is a hardcore, hard right Republican who learned absolutely nothing from the 2016 election except that his preferred candidate, I don't know who that was, Ted Cruz probably, didn't win. David Jolly isn't just a sore loser. He's somebody who cannot bear the thought of being out of power. So that's mostly what this is about. And you know how you can tell when these, some, not all of them, certainly, like a lot of the so-called Deborah Donald people, I mean, that's not what they're called, but I refuse to use the actual phrase. They don't, um, they don't talk about it in terms of the party as a whole. Like, again, there are some people who, like, really get it. They understand that this isn't just about Donald. It's about it's about the trajectory of their party, their former party. Like, most of them aren't Republicans anymore. The ones you can really take seriously are Democrats, for the most part. Um, but then, you know, there are the David Jollies, who they may claim not to be Republicans anymore, but you know what? They wanted, they wanted Brett Kavanaugh on the bench. They are perfectly happy what Mitch McConnell has been doing in the Senate. They will oh be ecstatic if that idiot Kevin McCarthy becomes Speaker of the House. They just don't want Donald at the head of the party because they find him embarrassing or something. So anyway, this is how you tell that they are not fucking criminal. We should be taking seriously. These are the assholes who tell us to tell Democrats who we should run for vice president. The Democrats, they say, should run as vice president somebody who appeals to them because <laughs> they deserve to, to be recognized or pandered to. They deserve to get at least some of what they want because 
Oh. Democrats in power have no legitimacy in their view. You know, huh. I don't ever hear anybody, including Democrats, suggest that um, Republicans run, you know, a Democrat as vice president. I mean, it's just absurd. And I really hope that it, it goes nowhere fast, like long before, long before the election. Um, and again, Christine Todd women, I don't know. Is she just like looking for relevance again? All I know is that when asked, she, she claimed in an interview that a lot of high level Democrats were on board with this project. Oh. And when asked who they were, she said that she couldn't remember because she's bad at names. <laughs> <laughs> but it's on the website, she said. And apparently that isn't true. <laughs> there, there are no uh, high level Democrats, uh, <laughs> at least mentioned. Wow. Um, the Fucking little so, sneaky little shit. My position all along has been Democrats should uh, go all in on their policies. They should compromise with nobody at this point. Seriously, and they nobody. Should because demand disqualification. Look where that's gone. Not political. It's, it's bad enough. Criminal. Seriously, it's bad enough at this point that we have to compromise with the likes of Kirsten Cinema and Joe Manchin. Just as a quick aside, this is actually one of the funniest things I've heard in a while. Um, Kirsten Cinema wore a uh, dress that was, it was sort of a gray and yellow, and it was kind of foxy, um, which is fine. I mean, I don't, I don't care. I, I just, I could care less, but it, it matters because <laughs> since then, the phenomenal Molly Jongfast has been calling her see it's hysterical spongebob square cinema uh, <laughs> which i don't know totally cracks me up so let's see any other questions um where, where do i how do i write a question oh so i did want to mention that um me. dick cheney put out a video and uh, he's he's quite he's aged uh, quite a lot uh, since last yeah, I saw him. And um, what remains true is um, I don't give a shit about absolutely anything the man has to say. So <laughs> there's that. Uh, Steve H, thank you. I cannot answer that question. <laughs> uh, let's see what else. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I think it's also, it's really important if you, if any of you are from Georgia or you know anybody from Georgia, you need to remind them that um, they, they really don't want to go the way of Alabama. I mean, Alabama had Alabama. Doug Jones as a senator because Al even Alabamans understood that uh, putting a, a child predator in office uh, in the Senate, actually, was um, a bad idea. So we had Doug Jones, uh, who was not just a, a, is not just a wonderful human being with a phenomenal record as a prosecutor for the United States, but uh, he's a really good senator, too. Um, and then, because I guess Alabama 
reverted to its mean, so to speak, uh, they decided that they would rather have um, Tommy, uh, is it Tuberville or Tuberville, you know, the football coach who um, doesn't even know what the three the branches president. of government are. And I think he's that guy. He's just not, not the brightest bulb in the box. And um, yeah, we also know that he was in touch with Donald on January 6th. I'd, I'd like to hear more about that. And he's, he's, he's become one of the worst senators, which is saying a lot in this particular group of Republican senators. Uh, so please, please remind your Georgian friends and family that um, they they do not want to be stained with having somebody like Herschel Walker uh, as their senator. I mean, you just don't get to live that kind of thing down. So, um, yeah, it would. And, and again, Ra Raphael Warnock is, is a, a great guy and an excellent, excellent senator. So, um, Yes, Sebastian is my parents' name. He was named after Johann Sebastian Bach. He doesn't know that. <laughs> uh, I'm sure you've all heard that the uh, wonderful Nichelle Nichols died this week. Um, Who did? She lived a good long life, so so uh, we we are lucky to have had her as long as we did. Um, but, you know, I'm mentioning it because um, she was in so many ways a, a incredibly important, pivotal figure in, in America, uh, in American culture. And um, she had a big impact on me. I, I think when the original series came out, I was very, I was too young when it was on, you know, um, when it first ran. Uh, so I didn't catch it until um, the rerun started on WPIX, Channel 11 in New York City. Um, but when I did start watching the show, not only was Lieutenant Uhura one of my favorite characters and has remained so, um, and she was also the one of the primary characters in one of my favorite Star Trek episodes, which is Mirror Mirror. Uh, she also was my very first role model. So I ha I've I've always had a, a soft spot spot in my heart for her, and um, she will be much missed. Hmm. Going on from there to uh, different news uh Brittany Griner a WNBA player is has just been sentenced to nine and a half years in a Russian prison for the absolutely horrific crime of having some pot on her possession I, I mean it's vaping if it weren't so awful of fucking laughable. vape oil um so there are a couple of things to point out about that and she's been there for months now oh I don't God. know quite how long but let's put it this way 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 too long so um three things about that one and again i don't 
I have no idea. I have to assume that a lot of work is being done behind oh. the scenes to make that to make her release happen as quickly as humanly possible. At least, you know, that's that's the hope. I know that there was talk of a prisoner exchange. Um, and well, that escalated. I, that should have happened yesterday. For but a terrorist. There's so much going. This is so complicated. Uh, so much complicated by the uh, war of aggression that Russia started illegally against Ukraine. Um, but let's hope that's that's the case. Especially, you know, since this sentencing gives the issue so much more urgency. The second thing is, um, and look, I don't. I, it's, it's speculation to say that if it were, uh, you know, a high-power NBA player, things would have played out differently. I don't know that. But what I do know is that if, if this were a top-tier NBA player, he wouldn't need to go. Where are they fucking going to, to Russia anyway? any other country to play exhibition ball for extra money because you'd be making millions of dollars. And it just underscores the inequity it between men's and women's sport like literally i think the only professional sport that has equity is tennis um so you know we need to do better there as well and finally what i'd say about that is that it's it's disgusting that um carrying around some pot or again I, whatever it was it, but it was clearly for personal use you know, it's like a gram like of, of oil for and, um, a, and a vape pen. It's, it's absurd and obscene that she uh, was even charged well, with anything. Political. But let's remember not that criminal. you know we're there are still people in prison here who who uh, were indicted on the charge of carrying around friggin' marijuana. I mean, it's it's legal almost okay. everywhere for medicinal, medicinal purposes. It's legal in a lot of places now for recreational purposes. It, it's, we need to do better. So, you know, we can't exactly be throwing that stone at Russia. It kind of makes it a little bit harder to make that argument. So, anyway, um, I hope we get her home soon. Uh, we've got some. This is great, Mary. You're great news. I hope you're all down. Good news coming out of the Department of Justice. Ha ha ha. Raid. So, one. So called raid. We have the fact that the DOJ, um, likely uh, led by Anita Gupta, is going after the four officers responsible for the uh, death of Breonna Taylor. Yay. Yes. So thank that everybody, is thank, really good news. Thank the DOJ. Um, took two years, but that, that suggests to me that they have this nailed down. And I hope that her family finally sees some semblance of justice. Thank you, Mary. You're awesome. The other thing uh, we, we know Great from news, the DOJ... Catherine is that there's a grand jury impaneled that they are um, taking depositions uh, in regards to the January 6th insurrection. And there really does seem to be some momentum. Uh, so fucking good Christ. The let's good hope Lord. that's the case. Um, 
but it does seem to be. Like I, I was, I was uh, really worried for a while. And don't get me wrong, I'm not, I'm not saying it's a slam dunk. I'm not saying it's a done deal. Um, I'm not saying that uh, Donald is going to be held accountable. Although one has to hope. Finally, um, although. Uh, yeah, slightly bad news. We heard that. Well, very bad news. We heard that uh, Rudolph Giuliani slid out of uh, being charged with wrongdoing in Ukraine. So that's what? not correct. But something's Fine. up with the SDNY. But that's, that? that's a subject for another time. Uh, the other really good news that we have, thanks to uh, <laughs> Alex Jones, is either um, devious or totally incompetent attorney. Uh-huh. So we have, or yeah, the plaintiff's lawyer in that case has in his possession at least two years worth of text messages, some of which having to do directly with Sandy Hook, which, by the way, uh-huh. Jones lied about and said no such te- text existed, but also having to do with January 6th. Um, some of these are from quote-unquote intimate conversations he had with Roger Stone, and I'm going to take that to mean conversations about planning the insurrection, hopefully directly with Donald. Whatever the case, we know that both the DOJ and the January 6th committee are very, very interested in these emails, and they are going to get them. So that is they've already got really them. That's amazing the news. Great. Yes. I'm telling you, it is. It is. I think the first time, and I don't know how long, <laughs> that uh, the good news in a week has outweighed the bad. It's, By far. it's shocking. I mean, it, it's hard to uh, it's hard to fathom uh, that that's the case. But it's actually, if you take a step back and think about it, it's hard to fathom that for six years, yeah, there has six always years. been, every single day in the last six years, there has always been more bad news than good. Any given day. So, um, it's, I think when I, when I realized that, I just kind of, kind of hit me. And it made me happy, but then I, I was so mystified by it. <laughs> so confusing, and it was so hard to grasp that I, I, I realized that uh, in addition to the fact that it made me happy, it also made me kind of tired. <laughs> because um, it's unseasoned, hey! right? It just, it just never, ever, ever, ever. Hey! Um, hey! All right. Knock uh, it off! Clearly, there's still some issues. I don't know. Uh, hopefully, they're working on it behind the scenes. Um, but in the meantime, let's talk about monkeypox. I don't really want to talk about monkeypox. I swear, <laughs> I haven't, I haven't really been following anything about it because. I don't think I can handle one more thing that's going to freak me out. I mean, we already have mechanical fucking spiders. We have dead <laughs> pigs being resurrected. What? And now monkeypox pox has, is being uh, designated a national emergency, which means that it's really serious. So please, please, please don't get monkeypox. Get vaccinated and don't get it. Because Avoid people like the plague. Literally. I can't handle it. Like I'm, I'm like this close to getting my um, my third booster shot because uh, you know, COVID by the way is still a thing, and 
we shouldn't really having be having to deal with another massive uh, national health emergency because we haven't dealt with the first one. Um, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I can't remember the last time the number of deaths, daily deaths from COVID dropped below 400. It's been steadily above 400 for months now. It went over 500 a couple of weeks ago. Um, so seriously. Yeah, 911 um, every week. Keep up with your booster shots. Keep masking. Uh, I wear my mask all the time. And I'm telling you, I was out today with my daughter and I was the only person in a restaurant, in a store, walking down the street. I was the only person wearing a mask. And it was 95 degrees. So it wasn't the easiest thing to do, but, uh, it's a little unnerving walking into a store and having nobody else wearing a mask. Uh, hopefully it's better on public transportation, but I don't know. I haven't been in subway for a while. Um, oh, and just as a reminder, not, not that you guys need to be reminded, but you know, if you have any, uh, vaccine hesitant people in your orbit, um, just let them know that, uh, there's been a case of polio recently in New York. So that's what happens when you don't get vaccinated. That's what happens when you lie to people about the dangers of vaccines, right? We, we cannot let these anti-science people win. We just can't because we're on this really dangerous trajectory that you know it started before donald but he was just sort of an accelerant for all of the worst things that were already happening in the republican party you know this anti-science anti-elite that you know they think makes them more relatable to working people when of course they've all gone to yale and princeton and harvard and oxford and uh you know, they all get vaccinated. Um, I mean, probably idiots like Marjorie Taylor Greene don't, but every Republican center has been vaccinated and boosted. So Wouldn't um, that be appropriate if she got COVID and died? It's just a way to take advantage <laughs> of people's gullibility say that and on my people's podcast. insecurities and in some cases people's skeptics people's skepticism about government, etc. I blame Ronald Reagan for that when he said that government wasn't the solution, it was the problem, which was one of the most absurd things that has ever been said in American history. And the fact that it gained any traction is absolutely insane. Just a quick note about Twitter and sarcasm. Don't be sarcastic on Twitter. <laughs> My friend uh, Gentile tweeted, I think it was yesterday, a list of all of the incredibly good things uh, President Biden did this week. He killed the leader of Al or he didn't. He didn't do this personal. That I don't think that's that would be. I don't think that would fly. Um, but that while doesn't make it on my COVID, list, by the way. Uh, President Biden's team. I can't support took out the killing anyone. Al Qaeda guy, the guy who, which was means the, the database co- and for um, the CIA. That is. Was the with Osama bin Laden, okay, uh, the mastermind behind um, September 11th. He brought down on the fucking government payroll gas prices for, I think, the 50th day in a row. 
So I think gas prices are down uh, to pre-Ukraine war levels. So it's just a list of all these really great things Biden did this week. So I quote tweeted and I said, um, basically, this is all really bad news for Joe Biden or something to that effect. Clearly being sarcastic. It was it was a list of all the great things he's done. Uh, apparently, a lot of people didn't think I was being sarcastic, and and apparent and, and I guess I, I I was blamed for being a shill for the right <laughs> and stuff like that. So if you ever do feel the need to use sarcasm, like I'm not going to say just being sarcastic because then what's the point? Just put a slash with an S next to it, and that's how people know that it's going to be. The sarcasm. Um, the Republicans are despicable. Okay, that's nothing. But kind of, it's sort of like Donald. Like, there's no bottom there, right? <laughs> they, they do. They keep out offling themselves. Yeah. Yeah. And the latest instance of that was last week when they voted against a bill that would have provided health care to veterans who were suffering serious health complications because they were exposed to toxic chemicals in burn pits while serving our country. I mean, you know, luckily there were some technical issues with the bill so they fixed those and they brought it back and i guess the republicans realized just what a terrible look this was for them so i some very large number of them um voted for it it'll pass hey, but something like 20 republicans still voted against it Really, one of them was Mitt Romney. I never, what? ever again want to hear anybody say that Mitt Romney is a reason, reasonable or moderate Republican. Republican. There's no such thing anymore. And I'm, we can't yeah. lose sight of this. Just because they do the right thing once in a while. First of all, it's probably because... Only because we have impossibly low um, expectations. The fact that it will be bad for them electorally. But sometimes, like, that's not even enough. <laughs> I think they've just learned yeah. the lesson. You be fucking driven out of as you can be. office. People will confuse that with strength. People will vote for us because they like the fact that they think we're fighting for them, even though all we're really doing is trying to make their lives miserable, but they have their whiteness. And we're telling them that that's all they need. Yep. There's no shaming these people. There's no yes, there is. Compromising with these we people. Just, we don't shame them enough. We need they to shame them more. Game the system enough. So they just need the worst among us on their side so they can overcome the demographic disadvantages by extreme gerrymandering, voter su suppression, 
and finally voter subversion. And that's go what's well, it going works, on. And they haven't been like, uh, like Carrie Lake and that, you know, big yeah. lie pushing secretary. I just, I'm sorry, I don't remember. I just state posted a, a couple of uh, Carrie Lake, anti Carrie Lake posts. And so far they have and endorsed Kitty Hobbs. So, we're gonna end there. Unfortunately, uh, Rosie was not able to be with us tonight. I'm so sorry you guys were stuck with me. Um, <laughs> but I hope I answered some questions. Hope we got uh, you a little caught up. Um, and yes, Ivana was my aunt by marriage. She was Donald's first wife. Uh, they got married when I was 12. I was at the wedding. It was really fun. <laughs> anyway. Um, thanks for your questions. It was, was uh, it really like? cool to talk to you like this. Um, hopefully Tell for us your sake, you again. Tell us everything you know yes. about it. Man. Don't forget to come uh, on Tuesday for the strategy sessions. It's going to be awesome. What the hell are you guys I doing? I you saw last week, or this week's. I, I mean, Turkey it was bucks. just like the panel from... I can't even tell you the brilliance uh, on this panel. It was mind-blowing. I, I learned so much. Uh, it was Melissa Murray, Dorothy Roberts, Dahlia Lithwick, Jen Tao, Amani Gandhi, Kim Ackenstor, uh, Danielle Moody. I mean, it was just this phenomenal collection of intellect, passion, and knowledge. Next week, it's just going to be me and the guys talking about the same thing. The Dobbs decision, the fallout from the Dobbs decision, but exclusively for them, how men can be better allies to women uh, in our current climate, but also how these issues affect men. Uh, because they do, and I don't think we talk about that enough. So that's it for tonight. Uh, have an amazing weekend. I will see you all Tuesday, 12 p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Pacific. That's youtube.com slash Politicon. And uh, while you're there, please subscribe to the Politicon channel. It doesn't cost anything. Uh, just way to support the channel. Like the episode and click on that bell because if you do, you will be uh, notified anytime a new video drops. Sometimes, uh, you know, as I've mentioned, I'm putting out shorter videos just to kind of keep everybody caught up. Although I guess tonight kind of served that purpose. Um, and uh, obviously you can listen to this in podcast form on Apple or anywhere you listen. And please do give us a five-star review because it definitely helps people uh, find us and leave a comment if you are so inclined. Again, thank you so, so much. Um, this was great. And uh, we will see you Tuesday. In the meantime, stay safe and be kind. Great show, May. Um, thanks for tuning into the Tristan for Governor show. This is an ASMR of barnyard animals.
Um, but I want to start here. We are 98 days out from the 2022 midterm elections. Yep, that's double-digit territory. And um, I think it's safe to say that we are not in an era where it's politics as usual. Uh, in the past, we've spoken here about um, what we can do, you know, what we need to do to win in November. But I think it's time to shift gears and start talking about what is not just what's at stake, but what we need to understand to help people make decisions that will um, first uh, enable American democracy and um, communicate what the issues facing us right now mean. So um, let's start with Alito's Dobbs decision. I think the only thing missing from it was a reference to the Malleus Maleficarum. It's seriously, uh, it's medieval in its jurisprudence, it's medieval in its cruelty, it's medieval in its ignorance of the history of justice, or lack thereof in America. Um, and of course, that's, that's what we're limited to, the egregiousness of things like comparing abortion to enslavement, which uh, Justice Clarence Thomas often does. So um, I'd like to start off today uh, with Dorothy Roberts, a professor of Africana Studies, Law and Sociology at the University of Pennsylvania. She's also the author of Killing the Black Body and Torn Apart. Uh, Dorothy, thank you so much uh, for being here today. Um, I want to start with you because as you've written, we're looking at an unbroken line that extends from the days when enslavers totally controlled black women's fertility or try to, to current policies that seek to reduce black women's fertility, period. Uh, you know, and this is information that gets completely left out of the conversation when we narrow uh, the issues to the idea of choice, which by definition aligns racial justice. That's right. So. Uh, picking up from your last point about choice, the focus on choice privileges people who have the social opportunities, the money, the value in our society to make those choices. And it leaves out all the people who don't because of racism and poverty, uh, classism, hatred of the poor, hatred of people with disabilities, you know, we could just look at the history of reproductive policies in the United States and see that many people, because of these social hierarchies and inequities, haven't been able to make choices. So uh, that's why it's important to have a framework of reproductive justice that sort of think of Republicans all the kinds of social and political and economic structures that determine people's ability to live free reproductive lives. And your other point is important as well about the almost seamless trajectory. <laughs> uh, of course, these types of oppressions transform and morph over time as they, as the politics changes, but the fundamental idea of controlling someone's reproductive body and life 
uh, we can look back to enslavement of black people and especially the exploitation of black women's reproductive labor and the authority that white enslavers had over their bodies and their um, and their lives and how that was intertwined. This is another important aspect of understanding reproductive justice that reproductive autonomy is con- is connected to your freedom over your entire life. And so we're talking about deep life issues uh, that are related to the state's power to compel people to have uh, to have birth or to compel them to continue mm-hmm. a pregnancy. Uh, and so that is, I think, essential for people to grasp this history and also to understand that Justice Alito and Thomas and the others have completely distorted. You know, they've not just ignored the history of compelled pregnancy and other ways of controlling reproduction. Of course, for most of the 20th century, black women's childbearing has been devalued and and, uh, black women have been subjected to sterilization abuse and punishment welfare mothers the outcomes blaming everything again, on welfare we mothers to connect to forced pregnancy in policies today you know to understand the depths of the atrocity of the Dobbs decision you need to grasp all of these connections and looking to history helps to do that and helps to discredit get rid of the republican traitors absolute lie and then the alito you know when you have a new congress issues about fresh full of fresh voices the the meaning of the 14th amendment for example which was added into the fucking constitution these kinds pass a new amendment guaranteeing women the right to against enslaved people bodily autonomy or whatever also we decide that thomas has has indicated in prior decisions i know professor murray has written about this uh, uh suggesting that abortion is a form of genocide against black people and this has been the part of the anti-abortion campaign exploiting black women uh to claim that our seeing abortions is perpetrating a genocide against our these people are masters at at playing the race card against against black people never part of (laughs) eugenics it was sterilization was the tool of eugenesis and abortion is a the, the ability to get an abortion is is a, is is a, an important part of a free life. It's the opposite. Being Compelled a woman pregnancy is the the the, what, the analog to oppression and uh, and. And to the form of torture, force deaths should be considered unreasonable. Because, I know I'm bringing uh, a lot of things in here, but because what search and the, seizure, the bans on abortion do are to increase the risk of pregnancy, to put pregnant people at risk of death, literally, literally, uh, where doctors now 
have to decide. This is already going on where doctors are telling people, I can't give you life <laughs> uh, protecting, <laughs> life saving medical care because that has I nothing might be to do with you. Prosecution. You know, what kind of barbaric society is this creating? Yeah, exactly, uh, and, man. You know, we could also get into how it's creating a, a police state yeah. where we're being called on to police our bodies. turn in people seeking abortions and those helping them. Again, Bunch literally, it also has its comparisons to the slavery era where people had to flee free states, I'm sorry, slave states to free states as people are now fleeing forced birth states to free states. And the fugitive slave laws are the similar kinds of laws are being enacted now to go after those who would help people seeking abortions. I mean, you know, that, that probably named 10 different ways in which this decision rolls us back to the time of slavery and not to say it's exactly the same but to say that the foundation of the denial of freedom and humanity and the way in which it will have a particular type of injury to black women essential I think to understand uh, but but it will make our entire society more brutal more of a police state more of a inhumane society for everybody and I think those are messages you know I, I thought you asked a great question at the beginning what do people have to understand they have to understand the depths of how atrocious this decision is and understand that we need a movement like we never had before i mean this is sometimes people ask is there a silver lining here if there's a silver lining it's now understanding that the reproductive rights movement we had you know thank goodness we had one but it was not enough the frameworks were not right uh, the the it wasn't uh, solid enough. The, the advocacy did not plumb the depths of the inhumanity and the racism and white supremacy behind bans on abortion and their connection and the church to tax other the church of reproductive injustice like forced sterilization, criminalization of pregnancy. I think now that we understand better those connections. Mm -hmm. A question literally of life and death, literally of freedom versus a police state that uh, it's clearer, I think, that the movement needs needs a framework of justice and not choice. So I'll end there. I've been going on for a long time, and um, I'd love to, of course, uh, hear what these other brilliant people have to say. And um, 
And also, I, I think Baby Mary gave me so much time because I have to jump off at 12.30, so sorry about that as well. But, I, I gave you so much time because you're you, but that's okay. Oh, also, you're, you are leaving early. That's why I started with you. But I, I think what you just did was lay out very clearly um, one of the problems we face because this issue contains multitudes. It's so complex. It, it is so far-reaching. Uh, in its impact that I think it is difficult for people to take it in and make sense of it, uh, make sense of it, especially again, since the narrative driven by white feminism has been choice. It's about choice. And that puts us at a, a serious disadvantage. Um, so uh, Melissa Murray, a professor of law at New York University, I, I want to, I know you've written a lot uh, recently about uh, the history of sterilization, which, which uh, Dorothy touched upon. And I think that gets lost also in the conversation because um, the Toxic history of Mary, um, and I was really nervous. I, I, that was not a, that was not put on. I was, I was We're listening to the Mary L. Uh, Trump like, show. Um, what a panel. I hope you learned as much as I did. Um, it gave us so much to think about, but I also think that this conversation gave us a very clear roadmap of what what we need to make happen. This is the Nerd uh, Avengers take on the Supreme November Court. 2022 and November 2024 and going forward. Uh, you know, democracy is a process. It's not, it, it's not an end point. So we need to keep working it uh, all the time and never let up uh, because they don't, and that's part of the reason we're in this problem. Uh, we're in this uh, pretty terrifying situation. Yeah, these fucking Republicans anyway, um, don't seem to ever sleep, do guess. they? Thanks to you for being here today. I just anyway, want to remind you that... We're going to listen to Donald's shadow with Tim O'Brien now. Um, I, I wish Mary would get Tim Ryan on her show. Wow, that would be great. How do I... <laughs> Make a suggestion, Tim Ryan. <laughs> I'm in love with that guy. So cool. I'm in love with his his coolness. Wow, Tim Ryan. Thank you, man. You're coolest. Good evening and welcome to this episode of the Mary Trump Show. I am so excited to have with me as my guest today, Tim O'Brien, journalist, author of the revelatory Trump. Nation, the art of being the Donald, and executive editor and columnist at Bloomberg Opinion. Tim, hi. It's so good to have you. Hey, Mary. It's great to be live with you instead of digital. Right. Um, and as we were saying before the break, it's weird because I feel like I've known you for a really long time uh, because of your work, obviously. And uh, just, you know, you have a perspective on uh, one of the things we're going to talk about that very, very, very few people have. And that's strangely unusual um, because I think you and I would, would both have thought that Donald's a pretty transparent person. He's exactly what he appears to be. And yet, here we are. Here we are because people just routinely discount how damaging and destructive he can be. And... Yeah. And he, you know, and he creates his own narrative. And he, well, he creates his own narrative, but I think a lot of times other people created for him, and he just kind of jumps in as it as it serves his purposes. 
But one of the reasons I wanted to talk to you, because, listen, I think we we know how dangerous it would be to pretend that Donald's not a problem anymore. Um, that if we just ignore him, he'll go away. I think that's a terrible mistake. But um, I'm, I'm really sick of talking about him. Although, again, it's necessary. But yeah, we what, must. We must. <laughs> But I think what's becoming even more important, especially as we see these hearings unfold, is to talk about Never been his enablers spanked. and the people who use him for their own ends and the people he uses. Because I have to be honest with you, uh, one of the, the things that most shocked me was the extent to which Donald... And, just I want to back up for a second. You actually have a much better sense of this than I do because I didn't really start paying attention to Donald in the way one needed to until 2016. You know, before that, he was just sort of my estranged uncle. Um, you know, so I you're tried... estranged uncle who tried to rip off your inheritance. Yeah, well, yeah. there's that. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I found that out eventually. But seriously, you know, he was he was he was Donald, and I didn't really want to pay attention to anything else uh, until it became utterly necessary. But you've had your fingers on the pulse of this much longer than I have. The real concern is the people he finds shockingly who are even weaker than he is. How do we make sense of that? Even more corrupt. Well, because I think he has this, you know, he is not a sophisticated man. He is an ignorant man. But he has this reptilian sensibility about other people's vulnerability. And the kind of people reptilian keywords. I think either identify through him because they have a weak sense of themselves, they overestimate who he is, and they feel like they're in the sort of, you know, the orbit of the sun god and then there's another group of people who see them as they see him as 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 their useful idiot someone who they they think they can manipulate or use to further their financial or political or social ends and as you well know he grew up watching his father do this and i first got exposed to to, to donald in the early 90s i was a research assistant um, of the first kind of definitive investigative biography of Trump brought by Wayne Barrett, the big Village Voice investigative reporter. <clears throat> I grew up in the Midwest, didn't really know. I was aware of Donald Trump in the headlines, but I never looked at him closely as a businessman. And then I went on this deep dive as Wayne's research assistant in the early 90s. I did a book about gambling in the mid 2000s. I interviewed him for that. <clears throat> and then I was at the New York Times in the early 2000s and covered him for the paper wrote Trump Nation. He sued me for that book and he lost. <laughs> and over the course I would say, you know, and then, and then he runs for president. In 2015 I begin covering him again. So he's like the ghost of Christmas past. You know, I, like the, I can hear the chains up in the attic. And <laughs> what did you do to be like this? I just, I think, I don't know. I just, it, it, something happened in the, it, it must be karma. But the, um, the constant over all those years, say from the early 90s to 2022, is that he has always been surrounded by these two populations of people you just spoke about. And and I think he learned at his father's knees that, that, that you could get lawyers <clears throat> and fixers and other political operatives who could teach you how to weaponize the legal system and weaponize politics in your own financial favor. And then there would always be this group of hangers on that would be willing to do duty deep. Hey, yo.
Okay, we're back with the Justificabinator show. And we were just in the midst. Here we go. I don't think we, anyone ever thought that model would be transported right into the Oval Office and then, and then be used to essentially stage a coup. And, and here we are. I want to ask you something because um, it's, it's important uh, for people to um, understand how strange this all is uh, in terms of where we are, uh, the fact that things are worse than they've ever been in some ways. Um, but, and dangerous. And dangerous. But are you surprised by any of it? Are you surprised by anything that has unfolded because of him or anything he's done? Um, I'm never surprised by him, frankly. I think he has an immense capacity um, for tragic, comic, destructive, grotesque behavior. Um, I, am, I am surprised by the willingness of people who can see right in front of him in front of themselves, what he's doing, of the entire GOP, um, major institutions, outside of political institutions, law enforcement, um, uh, uh, business institutions, academic institutions, and and they essentially tell themselves lies and delude themselves. Um, I think in the belief that he might go away or he won't be as bad or that he can be channeled to to. to get their own goals uh, enabled and realized, and time and time again, he takes advantage of all of them, each and every single one of them. And I think, you know, there's a lesson of Donald Trump's ascent into the White House. You know, people shake their head and they say, well, how could this have happened? It's just dumbfounding. But he's an outcome. He's actually a symptom of, of um, I think, white nationalism, and, and um, this lurch into uh, propaganda and, and sensationalism and, and, and cultural division, racial division, as a substitute for policy, as a way to gain power. I think the Republican Party learned decades ago that this was an effective path to power. They actually didn't need to preach White policy. Nazis. They just preached fear of the other. And they kept finding different Bethels who could inhabit that message. And, they, and that sort of reached at the now apotheosis in Donald. And, and the real danger to me isn't just that he may return to the White House. But so I think Trumpism, if we're defining Trumpism as, as white nationalism wedded to this propagandic fever, um, isn't going away. Ron DeSantis offers a version of it. Josh Hawley, Ted yeah. Cruz. And it happens a bigger part of the Republican Party than when Donald first defended. And I think that we're going to be living with that for a long time, whether or not he becomes president. And yeah, that's the problem. Yeah, and you've been writing a lot recently about what's happening around him. Uh, and that is, that's really where I, I want us to focus mostly today, because one of the things that's that has me worried about these hearings, although I'm less worried about it as the hearings go on, but still, uh, is that Donald is going to be made the bad guy, which of course he is, um, but is going to be held accountable uh, in lieu of everybody else, as if it were only him, if it were only his behavior and his divisiveness and his cruelty and his crimes. 
uh, and and have the entire Republican Party allowed to uh, just get pretend that they're fine, they're normal. Um, they're now that they've gotten rid of Donald, it's just business as usual. And I want to tease out a little bit those uh, two groups you talked about, uh, because I agree with you. Nothing Donald has done is surprising. Um, I should say three groups. We have, the, the, we talked earlier, the users and the people he uses. And in the middle, the people who continue to give him the benefit of the doubt. And it, it, that is mind-blowing to me when you and I have been saying for at least two years, well, you've been saying it longer than I have, uh, and other people as well, there is no bottom. It, it will only get worse. Uh, so, uh, unfortunately, I, I credit a lot of why we're here with people's inability or unwillingness to face what's right in front of them. One, how bad he is, but two, how fragile democracy is and how extreme the Republican Party is. You know, we have a lot of existential threats facing us right now. Climate change, a public health crisis, and a political crisis. And I think one common thread <clears throat> that binds all, all these things, and I think, you know, you're, you're far more, I think, sophisticated in speech, in, in psychology, and human behavior than I. Um, but I think, I think people put reality in these little boxes that they tuck in the back of their head and don't open. When the threat in front of them <clears throat> is so existential and threatening, to actually call it for what it is would require them to take action. They're not prepared to take the steps we have to take to really deal with climate change, the steps we have to take to make sure if there's more public health crises coming, that we've got a way to deal with it. And that if we are lurching towards fascism, as embodied by Donald Trump, and now a, a larger wing of, of the Republican Party, what, what are we going to do about that? And, 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 and then you, when you identify this middle group, it's very interesting because I would, I would put law enforcement squarely right there. That, the, you know, the, the hesitation that until recently appeared to, to define the Justice Department's um, actions towards Donald. Um, after months and months of first <clears throat> news reporting that laid out what happened before, during, and after January 6th, and, and now those you know, incredibly important January 6th hearings themselves that have laid out a, 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 a pattern of, of criminality and intention on Donald Trump's part, yet, yet there's this kind of twiddling of the fingers. Well, you know, maybe he did break the law, maybe he didn't know. But the real issue is, the real hurdle isn't to finding whether he's a criminal, he broke the law, he tried to stage a coup. The hurdle is, can you convince a jury of that in a courtroom? Yep. And are you willing to sort of have the justice department go Easy after the executive branch when it never has history before? Those are moral, strategic choices. Those are not legal ones. We already know what the legal choice is. Yeah. And even so, the law enforcement officials are hesitant to Good take look it. Adam. And he knows how Capital to punishments. That. And and uh -huh. And I think that, you know, yeah. right now, the people that are around the January 6th event, law enforcement legislators and the people that are investigating. Give them a choice, like the electric chair, um, the legislators hanging, hunkered down. Or I hope law enforcement does, because if Trump is not held accountable, and the people around him are not held accountable, we are a, a deeply broken country. What does he suggest? Ask him how he wants broken. to die. 
which is the preferred way to die. For what, a year and a half now, which is astonishing. <laughs> the only choice he should have is his preferred method of execution. Um, <laughs> about the November election, about the insurrection, and we have 147 sitting members of Congress who are seditionists, in my view, still sitting in their seats of power. Um, the blocking, only they're choice. not making legislation, they're blocking legislation um, crafted by the Democrats. And still, uh, I think Josh Hawley is the worst, uh, most recent Should have example at this point is his preferred of method of execution, of that. Um, LOL. So, and he's a trained lawyer. Ted Cruz has a law degree. Ron DeSantis has a law degree. And all of them are embracing lawlessness. That's right. And they're doing it with the knowledge of how best to undermine it. And and that's, I think, the scary part. And you, you, you wrote about this recently, that it's not just about these individuals. It's about our institutions and the way that if I could take a step back, I would say one of the good things, I guess, we learned during the Trump administration is just how fragile our institutions are so we can take steps to shore them up. Um, so, you know, that hopefully we've learned that, no, we can't depend on tradition and norms and human decency anymore. We need to codify everything. But on the other hand, uh, we still have people who are willing as soon as they get a chance to find the um, the weaknesses in the joints of those same institutions, and that's that's really what scares me. And and you know, in that context, Mary, January sixth is a warm up act. Yes. It's it, you know it's it is the crew around Donald figuring out where <laughs> the soft points in the system are and how far they can use those soft points to break the entire structure, whether it's pressuring the vice president not to certify a result or, or creating false um, slates of electors to repay, replace those who were duly elected or to file scores of bogus lawsuits against uh, um, various state legislatures and then secretaries of states about illegal vote counts or, or against companies that tabulated the votes. Um, or to simply propagate the big lie uh, is through a media alliance with Fox News to delude a huge portion of the American population into believing something occurred that didn't occur, that, that, that the election was stolen from Donald. And, and I think we know now that if he gets into the White House again, that they've now had practice of this, and they're not going to be put off by civil servants who might stand in the way of this stuff. They'll just fire all of them. Um, what is uh, it called? Schedule F? Is that, <clears throat> yeah, is Schedule that F. Plan? Yeah. And, you know, it's, and, the, and the idea now that's been institutionalized in a number of states that local legislator, legislator, legislators in Republican-controlled state legislatures uh, can review an election result and sort of decide willy-nilly whether or not they think it, it meets the, the sniff test, their own sniff test. That, that, that is the end of, of democracy, if a legislature can just say they don't believe in the results of the vote. And that's a microcosmic manifestation at all these old state levels of, of what what that crew tried to do nationally after the 2020 election. Yeah, and just, you know, just to illustrate how, how deep the rock goes uh, or how far ranging it is, the Supreme Court 
is going to uh, take up the Moore v. Harper case, which will um, basically um, set in stone, make constitutional the kinds of behavior you're talking about. And that is the end. I mean, luckily, in 2022, we aren't going to be faced with the dozens of, potentially dozens of uh, secretaries of state or attorneys general who are running on the big lie, who are running to reinstall the or whatever. Um, and more v. Harper hasn't been settled yet, but it's not, um, if anything, it should just increase people's urgency about what happens in 2022 and and tim i have to be honest i think that one of one of the things that's happening now uh or at least appears to be happening is that people like DeSantis are positioning themselves in contradistinction to donald as an attempt kind of like yunkin did in virginia uh as an attempt to kind of make himself seem like a better alternative even though you know Ron DeSantis is a full-blown fascist and what he's doing in Florida is horrific. But DeSantis potentially uh, would be more dangerous, I think, if he got to the Oval Office. The only thing that I have any hope about is the man has no charisma. Well, I don't think he's a great campaigner. You know, and it just it, life is different when you have to actually get into a national campaign um, and and make eye contact with people, which, which Ron DeSantis Should have. can't do. And, 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 you know, he has some oddities that may or may not haunt him on the campaign trail. We don't know. Um, you know, I wouldn't be surprised. I think if he was paired with Christy Noem or Nikki Haley, that would be a pretty potent ticket, I think, for, you know, for Republican voters in this day and age. Um, the other thing about all this, I was thinking about this earlier. You were sort of talking about what's been revealed, you know, in, in, this, in the Trump era. And... You know, one of you know, Trump tore off his band-aid around myths that we've told ourselves about racial tolerance, social justice, and economic progress in the United States. And and there's been pools of these kinds of people in the U.S. for generations. Um, They just didn't find something to coalesce around until they were. I think found one of them on social media and found a message from Donald Trump who said it's okay to say the N-word. You don't have to yeah. you don't have to bury that anymore. And it's okay yeah. to say that we shouldn't let black and brown and yellow people come into the United States. And that and that, you know, the real issue is immigration, not um, uh, automation. And, and and all these various, you know, false narratives of what was the cause of economic and social problems. And, and, you know, only virtue of that, <clears throat> to me, is it's forcing us to stand up in opposition to it, not to just sit back and sit by the pool and have a lemonade, yeah, this is bad, but to actually figure out what we're going to do if this is going to stop, because it, it has to stop. Um, you know, the, the amount of decay in, in, in trust and in the public dialogue and in our institutions, it's really at the breaking point. Yeah, and a lot of that, and I'm I'm we need a sure you are aware, and and uh, 
you know, um, at least 200 Republicans. Just, unfortunately, seem still points. seems to be the case that a lot of people and in the mainstream the media cards. haven't gotten the memo yet that uh, the Republican Party is not your father's or grandfather's Republican Party, and that's another concern as well because by um, equating the parties, by equating the Democratic base and the Republican base. Uh, which I find deeply insulting because, you know, I'm part of the uh, Democratic base. People in the Republican base are white supremacists, fascists, and misogynists, and racists, and all that other stuff. So, like, there's no equivalent in the Democratic Party uh, that has certainly not any part of the Democratic Party that uh, has power. Um, so, you know, the other, the other issue is that then I, I'm I'm still trying to process what's happening with this uh, David Jolly, Christine Todd Whitman, uh, and Andrew Yang fiasco. Alternative. Yes. Um, like that's between that and the way the media presents the parties as if they're equally bad. Um, who, who does that help? I don't think it helps Democrats. But we need more choice. You know, I think... I think you know, I'm not for the creation of uh, in this scenario is, is that um, it's a tolerant party. That's not a problem. That's a virtue. Why don't we reserve you, the EPA you, position for the head of the, the Green witnesses, Party? It is harder to keep everybody on message. And then, and, and, and the Republicans are, are very good at getting in line and staying on message and then being programmatic in the service of their goals to their credit you know the federal society federalist society began planning for a conservative sweep of the court system in 1983 or so and then patiently worked at that for year after year whether or not you agree with them ideologically from a programmatic strategic standpoint they hunkered down and got the job done. Oh, girl, uh, when the Dobbs decision gets overturned, or, you know, overturns Roe v. Wade, the Democrats are on the steps of the Capitol singing God Bless America. And, and you know, kumbaya, kumbaya, kumbaya does not work. Yeah. Like, this, this, is, this has got to be a classic political battle, and, and that involves, you know, you can't fight fire with fire. You can't. You, the Democrats can't engage in propaganda and lies with having power because the Republicans do it so effectively. They can't embrace violence. But they have to find a way to get up close to voters who don't feel that they are present enough. And I think some of these third-party movements, I think, are trying to do that. The problem is, I don't think any third-party movement in the U.S. in the modern era right now can really get traction anyway because the apparatus is really being controlled everywhere by both the Republicans and the Democrats. So I think if you want change and you don't want the Republican Party to continue to get away with using lawlessness and, and sensationalism to essentially defenestrate the federal government, which is what this is. That's where the Supreme Court is. That's why various um, factions in the Republican Party unite. Is that ultimately what this is about is the government should just run the army and keep the borders safe and closed and then get out of everyone's way. Right. And, and however that happens, it's fine, even if it involves lying, because that's, that's a good result philosophically to those folks. And, and, and Democrats have to understand how to make a good argument for why government can be a positive force in people's lives, because the economy 
good for every individual, good for civic liberty. Um, and I don't, I don't think the Dems have done a good job messaging around that enough and campaigning on it. I, I agree. First of all, bonus points for using the word defenestrate. Great word. Um, <laughs> totally appropriate in this context. I'm going to get more multi-syllabic words in this conversation before we're done. Please. <laughs> I like them. Um, so, yes. The, 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 what I'm getting at, though, is that by giving the Republican Party a pass, for example, uh, the fact that um, bills in the House passed to um, protect, I can't even believe I'm, I have to say this, to protect the right to access contraception without government interference, to protect same-sex marriage, to protect interracial marriage, to um, make sure that there are no Nazis in our army or law, law enforcement, that all of those things that passed in the House, no. No, all of those things were passed with 100% of Democratic support. And depending on the issue, zero Republicans or a handful of Republicans. So again, that disadvantages the Democrats because it makes it seem like, you know, everybody's doing great stuff. Um, and then Republicans don't get called on their rhetoric. And, you know, it seems like these ridiculous, uh, quote unquote, um, woke issues. I hate that word. Woke means kind, basically. <laughs> kind and open-minded. Um, so the but again, who turned, who turned the term woke into, uh, into um, insult, you know, a, a, a program, you know, turned it into a flag. You know, but like they, again, the Republicans took control right. of that word. Yes. No, but that, that's what I'm saying. And, and I think yeah. it, it, <clears throat> I agree. Republicans are cards. experts at co-opting language. Uh, no doubt about it. But unfortunately, and the Democrats do this sometimes, so Like no, no Democrat ever should have conceded pro-life ever. Um, but the media do too. It's, it's pro-life versus anti-choice, uh, pro-choice, when it should be pro-choice and anti-choice or whatever. So, um, and you hit on it earlier too. So we have the messaging issue. Uh, we have this, uh, way it's presented as uh, the, the Republicans are getting just as much accomplished in, in Congress as, as the Dems, which is not true. Uh, and then the language issue, uh, which the Republicans are just better at. And I want to connect that to what you said earlier, which is entirely, I think, one of the biggest problems we have as the Republicans have become more monolithic and more narrow. Uh, the Republicans, as you said, have had to become a bigger tent, which is harder. But don't you think part of that is because the Republicans have finally, it, maybe it's not true yet, but in the next election cycle or two, it will be true that the Democrats don't need a majority anymore because they've rigged the system so wildly in their favor. Well, I mean, we know that. What? Huh? Did I accidentally push the wrong button? Oh no. Fuck. Okay. It was uh, Tim O'Brien.
of the entire GOP um, major institutions outside of political institutions, law enforcement, um, uh, uh, business institutions, academic institutions. And, and they essentially tell themselves lies and delude themselves, um, I think, in the belief that he might go away or he won't be as bad or he can be channeled to, to, to get their own goals uh, enabled and realized. And time and time again, he takes advantage of all of them each and every single one of them. And I think, you know, the lesson of Donald Trump's ascent into the White House, you know, people shake their head and they say, well, how could this have happened? This is just dumbfounding. But he's an outcome. He's actually a symptom of, of um, I think, white nationalism and, and um, this lurch into uh, propaganda and, and sensationalism. And, and, and cultural division, racial division, as a substitute for policy, as a way to gain power. I think the Republican Party learned decades ago that this was an effective path to power. They actually didn't need to preach policy. They just preached fear of the other. And they kept finding different vessels who could inhabit that message. And, they, and that sort of reached the you know, apotheosis in Donald. And, and the real danger to me isn't just that he may return to the White House. And so I think Trumpism if we're defining Trumpism as, as white nationalism wedded to this propagandic fever, um, isn't going away. Ron DeSantis offers a version of it, Josh Hawley, Ted Cruz, and it happens a bigger part of the Republican Party than when Donald first defended. And I think that we're going to be living with that for a long time, whether or not he becomes president. And yeah, that's the problem. Yeah, and you've been writing a lot recently about what's happening around him. Uh, and that is, that's really where I, I want us to focus mostly today, because one of the things that's, that has me worried about these hearings, although I'm less worried about it as the hearings go on, but still, uh, is that Donald is going to be made the bad guy, which of course he is, um, but is going to be held accountable uh, in lieu of everybody else, as if it were only him if it were only his behavior and his divisiveness and his cruelty and his crimes uh and and have the entire republican party allowed to uh just get pretend that they're fine they're normal um they're now that they've gotten rid of donald it's just business as usual and i want to tease out a little bit those uh, two groups you talked about, uh, because I agree with you. Nothing Donald has done is surprising. Um, I should say three groups. We have, the, the, uh, we talked earlier, the users and the people he uses, and in the middle, the people who continue to give him the benefit of the doubt. And it, it, that is mind blowing to me when you and I have been saying for at least two years, well, you've been saying it longer than I have, uh, and other people as well, there is no bottom. It, it will only get worse. Uh, so, uh, unfortunately, I, I credit a lot of why we're here with people's inability or unwillingness to face what's right in front of them. One, how bad he is, but two, how fragile democracy is and how extreme the Republican Party is. You know, we have a lot of existential threats facing us right now. 
climate change, a, a public health crisis, and a political crisis. And I think one common thread <clears throat> that binds all, all these things, and I think, you know, you're, you're far more, I think, sophisticated and steeped in, in psychology and human behavior than I. Um, but I think, I think people put reality in these little boxes that they tuck in the back of their head and don't open when the threat in front of them is so existential and threatening to actually call it for what it is would require them to take action they're not prepared to take. The steps we have to take to really deal with climate change, the steps we have to take to make sure if there's more public health crises coming, that we've got a way to deal with them. And that if we are lurching towards fascism, as embodied by Donald Trump, and now a larger wing of the Republican Party, what, what are we going to do about that? And, 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 you know, when you identify this middle group, it's very interesting because I would, I would put law enforcement squarely right there. That, the, you know, the, the hesitation that until recently appeared to, to define the Justice Department's um, action toward Donald. Um, after months and months of first <clears throat> news reporting that laid out what happened before, during, and after January 6th. And, and now those, you know, incredibly important January 6th hearings themselves that have laid out a, 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 a pattern of, of criminality and intention on Donald Trump's part. Yet, yet there's this kind of twiddling of the fingers. Well, you know, maybe it can get break one, maybe it didn't know. But the real issue is, the real hurdle isn't defining whether he's a criminal. The hurdle is, can you convince the jury of that in the courtroom? And are you willing to sort of have the Justice Department go after the executive branch when it never has history before. Those are moral and strategic choices. And Paul Those are not legal ones. We already know what the legal choice Do you have the moral? And even moral. though the law enforcement officials are hesitant to take it. And he knows how to exploit that. And 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 I think that, you know, right now, the people that are around the January 6th event, law enforcement, legislators, and the people that are investigating, um, the legislators have finally hunkered down. I hope law enforcement does, because if Trump is not held accountable, and the people around him are not held accountable, we are a deeply broken country, and maybe irretrievably broken. And the fact that for, what, a year and a half now, which is astonishing, Donald has been free to continue spreading his lies um, about the November election, about the insurrection, and we have 147 sitting members of Congress who are seditionists, in my view, still sitting in their seats of power, um, blocking, they're not making legislation, they're blocking legislation um, crafted by the Democrats. And still, uh, I think Josh Hawley is the worst, uh, most recent example of the dangers of that. Um, so. And he's a trained lawyer. Ted Cruz has a lot of degree. Ron DeSantis has a lot of degree. And all of them are embracing lawless. That's right. And they're doing it with the knowledge of how best to undermine it. And and that's, I think, the scary yeah. part. And you, you, you wrote about this recently, that Perversion it's not just justice. about these individuals. It's about our institutions and the way that 
if I could take a step back, I would say one of the good things, I guess, we learned during the Trump administration is just how fragile our institutions are so we can take steps to shore them up. Yeah, but we're not um, making any steps. So, you know, that hopefully we've learned that, no, we can't depend on tradition and norms and human decency anymore. We need to codify everything. But on the other hand, uh, we still have people who are willing as soon as they get a chance to find the um, the weaknesses in the joints of those same institutions, and that's that's really what scares me. Citizens United and Patriot and, and, Act were fucked. You know, Unless you guys ever turn that shit, January six is a warm up act. And expel it, your traitor it, you know, it, it colleagues the in the Congress. Figuring out where the soft points in the system are and how far. They can use those soft points to break the entire structure, whether it's pressuring the vice president not to certify a result or, or creating false um, slates of electors to repay, replace those who were duly elected or to file scores of bogus lawsuits against uh, um, various state legislatures and then secretaries of states about illegal vote counts or, or against companies that tabulated the vote. Um, or to simply propagate the big lie uh, through a media alliance with Fox News to delude a yeah. huge portion of the American population into believing something occurred that didn't occur, that, that, that the election was stolen from Donald. And, and I think we know now that if he gets into the White House again, that they've now had practice of this. And they're not going to be put off by civil servants who might stand in the way of that stuff. They'll just fire all of them. Uh -huh. um, what is yeah, it called? Schedule F? Is that, yeah, is that Schedule F. Plan? Yeah. And, you know, it's, and, the, and the idea now that's been institutionalized in a number of states that local legislator, legislator, legislators in Republican-controlled state legislatures uh, can review an election result and sort of decide willy-nilly whether or not they think it, it meets the, the sniff test, their own sniff test. That, that, that is the end of, of democracy, if a legislature can just say they don't believe in the results of the vote. And that's a microcosmic hey, manifestation no. at all these old state levels of, of what what that crew tried to do nationally oh, bitch. after the 2020 election. Yeah, and just, you know, just to illustrate how, how deep the rock goes uh, or how far ranging it is, the Supreme Court is going to uh, take up the Moore v. Harper case, which will... Um, basically um, set in stone, make constitutional the kinds of behavior you're talking about. And that is the end. I mean, luckily, in 2022, we aren't going to be faced with the dozens of, potentially dozens of uh, secretaries of state or attorneys general who are running on the big lie who are running to reinstall Donald or whatever. Um, and more V. Harper has Which should been be considered yet, sedition. Those are fucking not, seditious um, If anything, statements. it should just increase people's urgency. Well, we need to lock up these motherfuckers. In 2022. And, and Tim, I have to be honest. I think that... So their endorsements are worth of, garbage. One of the things that's happening now, uh, or at least appears to be happening is that people like DeSantis are positioning themselves in contradistinction to Donald 
as an attempt, kind of like Yunkin did in Virginia, uh, as an attempt to kind of make himself seem like a better alternative, even though, you know, Ron DeSantis is a full-blown fascist and what he's doing in Florida is horrific. But DeSantis potentially uh, would be more dangerous, I think, if he got to the Oval Office. The only thing that I have any hope about is the man has no charisma. Well, I don't think he's a great campaigner, you know, and it's just that life is different when you have to actually get into a national campaign um, and, and make yeah, eye contact with people, which, which awesome. Ronald Sanders can't do. And, 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 and you know, he has some oddities that may or may not launch him on the campaign trail. We don't know. Um, you know, I wouldn't be surprised. I think if he was paired with Christy No or Nikki Haley, that would be a pretty potent ticket, I think, for, you know, for Republican voters in this day and age. Um, the other thing about all this, I was thinking about this earlier, you were sort of talking about what's been revealed, you know, in, in, the, in the Trump era. And, you know, one of, you know, Trump has tore off this band-aid around myths that we've told ourselves about racial tolerance and social justice and economic progress in the United States. And and there's been pools of these kinds of people in the U.S. for generations. Um, they just didn't find something to coalesce around until they were, I think, found one on social media and found a messenger in Donald Trump who said, it's okay to say the n-word you don't have to yeah. you don't have to bury that anymore and it's okay yeah. to say that we shouldn't let black and brown and yellow people come into the united states and that and that you know the real issue is immigration not um uh automation and and, and all these various you know false snares of what was the cause of economic and social problems and and you know only virtue in that <clears throat> to me is it's forcing us to stand up in opposition to it not to just sit back and sit by the pool and have a lemonade yeah this is bad but to actually figure out what we're going to do if this is going to stop because it it has to stop um you know, the, the amount of decay in, in, in trust and in the public dialogue and in our institutions it, it's really at the breaking point a lot of that, and I'm I'm sure you are aware, and and uh, you know, um, it just unfortunately seem still seems to be the case that a lot of people in the mainstream media haven't gotten the memo yet that uh, the Republican Party is not your father's or grandfather's Republican Party, and that's another concern as well because by um, equating the parties by equating the Democratic insulting because you know i'm part of the uh, democratic base people in the republican base are white supremacists fascists oh no shit god damn it uh still there man shoot Accidentally touched it. It's properly. And that, and that um, in this era, when a big part of the population has had to move out of industrial jobs 
and either can't inhabit service jobs or can't get trained to get there. Um, people feel displaced, and neither party, I think, for a couple of decades now, has really provided good answers to the plight of those people. Working Americans have been displaced, but I think the Democrats have tried to provide better answers. Um, the, the problem is you've got a distressed, a, a big swath of the population that's distressed, another pop, part of the population that's, you know, racist, and, and, and the Republicans have figured out how to tell the distressed population that they're on their side. Yeah, I don't think we have the luxury of telling people how sophisticated approaches to government work, and we just don't. Um, I think... Well, we have to get people to the voting booth. We do, and I think that... that um, I, get, I think the most basic thing I want, just, just as a starting point, is for Democrats to recognize their enemy and to understand that the Republican Party is not a party that you want to work with anymore. Even if it were possible, why would yeah, you want negotiating to with work the fucking with these terrorists. people who, as you know, just voted against giving health care to veterans who have cancer because there were burdens that were serving our country? Exactly. So um, I think part of it is just like distinguishing themselves, and then, like you said, keeping it really simple. Start of a good slogan. Uh, how many jobs Democrats? Stop negotiating with terrorists. Vote Democrat. Etc. 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 So I, I think you're absolutely right about that. You know, it is about just getting getting the news out there. Um, and, and engaging I, with voters where they live. Ex- yes, fight. Meeting people where they are is incredibly important. I have two questions for you. Uh, the first one is um what do you think is the best we didn't actually really talk about the january 6th committee hearing that much but hopefully hopefully you'll you'll join us for our live stream of the next one because i know there will be more and it's actually a really cool way to watch uh yeah um and you know we get to kind of comment in real time and analyze during and after so um it just yeah, kind of excellent. helps the process and thank it, you it mary great idea as you know it's been pretty gobsmacking on occasion um <laughs> but the hearings aside what do you think that it's is gonna the be a best big case scenario vis-a-vis donald's um relationship with the republican party and whether or not he's going to run uh i mean the best case scenario for us <laughs> you know for the for democracy people so he's in well, fucking I mean, I think, jail I think, um, tonight. That's the best situation for us. I think we started to see the oh. impact of the January 6th committee hearing on voters. In addition to, I think, um, I think the, the Dobbs ruling and, and, the, and the guns ruling were big motivating factors for people realizing that their civil liberties and, 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 and reproductive rights were at risk in a way that they hadn't fully contemplated. He's fucking and, gone, and actually. are turning away from 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 that part of the party um there's just this wild card what's happening with the economy and inflation there's a good chance it could worsen it we go into a recession that's just going to be bad for those occupying office right now so i think i think some of this isn't in people's control so a best case scenario is that we don't go into a recession and we come out of that recession job growth continues and the economy perks up again and people focus on 
making sure their rights aren't getting stripped from them by this court and, and this party. Um, and, and you know, you, I think I think that the, the map in the Senate has gotten fewer. Yeah. Uh, and um, I think that uh, the map in the House has gotten less red, but is still significantly plus red. And so I think I think the best case scenario is a divided Congress. I don't think I don't think the Democrats are going to retain control of Congress. Um, oh, and I think the best case scenario is a divided Congress and a competitive 2024 presidential election. And I think it could be competitive if. The Democrats have a ticket that's your, your that best, is appealing to that's your best, uh, enough scenario? people uh, to create low a plurality. I don't know me. what that ticket is. I, you know, I, I don't yeah. know Biden's approval ratings. And Biden's a great public like servant. 41. He's, honest, yeah, he's a good person. Um, but, you know, his leadership's been pell-mell. Well, I, I mean, if people are only focusing on inflation and high gas prices, I don't think anybody can overcome that. And um, true. given everything... I, I have very specific uh, feelings about that issue, um, but I, I think it's a little too soon to talk about that. Uh, you know, we it, that is something that we need it could to really change. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and it, yeah. you know, things could even change between now Grant and, and that. November. It's not that far away, especially That's those of us who are still living in COVID Ugh. time when a month feels like a day and a day feels like a century. But it's there's a lot of time. Um, right now. Which I, this is not my last question. I have one more question. Um, do you think, though, that Donald can can play a factor or can be a factor in 2022? Um, he already is. Because I think that's mean? also potentially something that could work in our favor. Well, I think, yeah. I mean, I think if, if the question is, is, is he a negative factor, is he dead weight? Is he um, no. on certain tickets? I think People absolutely. Are still I think we've already seen that. His candidates are still winning. Um, you know, I certainly don't think he's a kingmaker. And I think the January 6th hearings have have really painted him nationally uh, for what he is in a really, in a, in a fully realized way. I think there's more work to be done, but there's no question that lots of people have understood that he's a lawless um operator a criminal and, and a threat to democracy um what we don't know yet is are they going to take action around that but i don't think he's i don't i, I think the republicans now know that he's a drag on certain tickets and desantis and Pence are sort of openly flaunting him and and there's some and there's some there's some funding moving away from him hasn't moved away from him on moss he's but getting a million dollars a day i can Broading people um, still. The country is paying attention and, and reevaluating. Uh, Donald's paying attention to January 6th, but it's not going to modify his behavior. So, I think it's going to actually like, activate him. It's going to yep. enrage him, right? Yep. Because he's, yep. he's a toddler. Exactly. That's exactly what I meant. Um, and, and I think that's a good thing, uh, especially if, if he announces. I told him. I'm sure he listens to me. I told him I think he needs to uh, announce his run before the 2022 midterms because that way the election will be all about him. And he'd like that. He <laughs> would. And it would be bad for the party. Exactly. And I think he would like that too at this point. Um, okay, so last question. I'd like to just kind of take a step back and, and, and step away from the darkness because it is, you know, it's very trying and exhausting to be steeped in this.
that are nourishing, yeah. To replenish those dark energies. Talking about fucking Satan.
Tim's work for a very, very long time. And as I said at the outset, he's one of the few people who has uh, had access to Donald and therefore has unique insights into him. So uh, as you guys all know, it would be fantastic if we could pretend Donald didn't exist anymore, but he's still a major factor in what happens uh, to our country in the future. So it's always great to get um, the, the, somebody's, Tim's take in particular, on how we're going to negotiate this and what we need to understand. Uh, so thank you to all of you for being here. I just want to remind you that next Tuesday at 12 p.m. Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific, we will have our strategy sessions with the Nerd Adventures and special guests. Nice. We're going to be talking Great job, uh, Mary. at length about the Supreme Court decision uh, Dobbs, which overturned Roe v. Wade and Casey versus Planned Parenthood.